Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here for episode number 86 here on Monday, June 18th, 2018. I am Joe Murata, and over there alongside with me, as always, is Mr. Michael Quinn. How are you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. Howdy doody. How's it going? A good day today. Yeah, a nice uh, day today. It's a nice day. The summer is rolling. Yeah, the summer's rolling. Uh, happy Father's Day from yesterday. Any of you dads out there? Uh, Quinn, you know how I know about dads? Because uh, you're one. I am one. You am one. <laughs> ow, ow. Yeah. And welcome back to our retro wrestling romp, everybody. Thank you so much for joining the fun yet again. We have some great topics for you. Uh, before we get to any of that, I want to remind you, if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, and you have a Twitter, go ahead, follow at OVP Podcast. It's a good time there. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. And a great place to hang out with me and Quinn and all the other zany characters in the retro wrestling OVP galaxy is our Facebook group, Quinn. Yes, over at Facebook.web.garbage. <laughs> It's a garbage. great website. Yes. Um, this is how you get there. Okay. There's a search bar. Mm-hmm. You ever see it? It, it yeah. says search in it. I've it's, seen it. It's kind of white, I think. I've it, been through it. White. You, you click on that yeah. and you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. You mm-hmm. hit join and blammo, you're in. That's it. You, <laughs> you know, we, we usually approve you within minutes. Within minutes. Unless it's like four in the morning, mm-hmm. East Coast time. In, in so. which case, go to bed. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. It's a great time. We're very welcoming. We're accommodating. Uh, it's very easy to get through our customs. Yeah. We're the Ellis Island of Facebook groups. Queen. Right. Yeah, we are. We actually it, are. Except there's no big long lines like <laughs> at Ellis Island's customs. Have yeah. you ever seen the Godfather 3 or 2? Uh, un- or unfortunately. I think 2 is the one where it's they a, show yeah, them as a two. kid. Yeah, it's 2. It's 2. What a line. <laughs> I, uh, you know, that, that part of the movie always made me like, man, I'm glad I didn't have to go through that because... Damn it, I don't want to wait in there and they're doing lice checks like while I'm waiting in the line. Well, you can't be letting lice in. You know, yeah, it's a very, very dangerous epidemic. It's a, it's a safety thing, but yeah. then they're changing people's names. and, not, and it's, a, it's rough back yeah. then, you know, but it's yeah. not rough over at our Facebook group, so please join in. Also, if you have iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it these days, be sure to leave us a five star review. We would really appreciate that. So if you don't mind doing that, that would be awesome. You can also get us anywhere that podcasts are right now, you know, all the usuals, Quinn. Google yeah. Play Music and all that crap. And Google Play Music, Stitcher. Yeah, Stitcher. Uh, Auto. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Excuse me. And uh, a few other things. We like to shout out a couple of shows that we have a nice association with. Some friends of the show, if you will. Right. Some other great podcasters. I'm going to run them down for you, and you can be sure to listen to all these guys after this show. Uh, there's the wrestling podcast about nothing, WPAN, hosted by two guys that actually have worked and work in the business. One of them is... An independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus, Mean Mike Crockett. He's joined Quinn each and every week by Ring of Honor's own, the Wine City Whaler. Yes, thank you. Now you're saying it. You got it. (laughs) You're on the bandwagon. I am. Brian Malonis. Great show. They talk about some of their experiences in the business. The state of wrestling was a cool topic from a few weeks back. And uh, it's it's a great time. You know, they they do a little retro, a little current, a little, you know, personal reflections from their time in the business. Yeah. And another show that's really good is Greetings from Allentown, G.F. Allentown. Quinn, that's a one-man show, and that one man is our little brother. Yes, Little Petey. Little Petey uh, Winston. Our good friend who yep. likes to uh, bring us into his mind every week. Yep. And- Tell us about 
uh, Lowell, Massachusetts. <laughs> College. The Lowell Auditorium or whatever it is. His uh, cat. His cat and its weird shots. Yep. But yeah. also a healthy dose of retro wrestling review mixed in all that. Maybe a little sports talk as well. Sometimes, yeah. It's a good show. Greetings lot, from around town. A lot of Boston Bruins. So if you're a fan of the Boston Bruins, We're this sorry. is the podcast for you. <laughs> yes, it is. So check out GF Allentown. And one more is Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. That is like the southern version of OVP. Yeah, see, we're flipping it. We're flipping the script there, Mills. We're flipping the script. Now you're the southern version of us. That's right. And he goes through uh, Smoky Mountain, some WCW stuff, a lot of the southern wrestling, you know, yeah. below the Mason-Dixon line there. But anyway, check out those great shows, and there'll be some information later on in the show about our Patreon. If you wish to donate, there's some really cool rewards. But Quinn... I don't know if you're aware of this, Quinn. Hopefully you are because you, maybe you know, I am. I'm not sure you're joining me in this uh, endeavor here. You know, a, a few a uh, few months back, we decided to undertake a a new career side job. Yep, side <laughs> as private wrestling investigators. And this is a little segment we call on the case. They're on the case. On the case. They're on the case. You're the detective now, kid. And nothing's stopping you. There's justice to be served. So serve it. The year was 1997, February to be exact. Shawn Michaels, the then World Wrestling Federation champion, was scheduled to defend his title on Thursday, Raw Thursday against Psycho Sid. However, that day, instead of defending the title, Shawn Michaels surrendered the title to Vince McMahon and then WWF President Gorilla Monsoon. In the months and years that have followed, one Brett Hitman Hart has accused Shawn Michaels of faking what was supposedly a career-threatening injury in order for Shawn Michaels to avoid dropping the title or losing to Brett Hitman Hart. This has been debated, but the real truth might never be known. Quinn and I decided to get on the case. I think we're going to have to like analyze this, Joe. Yes. I think this is going to be one of those ones mm-hmm. where we need to be fair to both parties or we're I just going to be completely biased and ridiculous. Yes. He stinks and I don't like him. I think the popular opinion on the internet is that Shawn Michaels is a butthole who didn't want to <laughs> lose to Bret Hitman Hart. Was a butthole at least. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. Now for the record, if you're newer to the show, Quinn's favorite wrestler is Shawn Michaels. My favorite wrestler is Bret Hart. Yeah, I was like, tell me a lie when this happened. <laughs> I, I was very concerned. So back in February, Michaels had regained the title from Sid at the Royal Rumble. He had been the champion mainly since uh, WrestleMania 12 beating Bret Hart. We all know that, right? And they were going to work an angle where Bret and Sean were going to feud. They were heating that angle up towards the end of the 96 year mm-hmm. once Bret came back. You promised that you would carry that belt with the same pride and same class that I did. Mm-hmm. They were starting to snipe at each other. They were both kind of heel-ish. I feel like they never got as far to say, like, this is going to be a match. They never got there. They never booked it as a match, even in kayfabe. No, but it I mean, was they never, never said. Even, they never even got to the point where, like, we were even thinking about it. Correct. It, like, in kayfabe. I know maybe that was the plan or whatever. Right, because there was kind of, like, these weird side things going on. Like, Austin was still, like, up Brett's ass. Michaels yeah. was still preoccupied with Sid. There was a lot going on in early 97. Right. I mean, there was a lot going on after all the shenanigans, yep. you know? So, Thursday Raw Thursday, which... Was that in Lowell, Massachusetts? I don't remember. Oh, God. It we'll never escape Lowell, Massachusetts. <laughs> so, Michaels was supposed to defend the title against Sid that night. Right. And then the final, final four pay-per-view that was coming up 
the winner of that was supposed to face the right. champion. I believe even when they first announced the final four, they said was supposed to face like gorillas. He's going to face John <laughs> yeah. Michaels at WrestleMania. Yes. Like, yeah. The winner of which will unquestionably face the World Wrestling Federation champion, whomever it may be, at WrestleMania 13. So there's been two schools of thought here. Knee injury side. I just want to lay this out. Either Michaels was going to drop the title to Sid that night at Thursday or Thursday, and then Sid would still fight The Undertaker as planned, and Brett and Sean were going to have a non-title grudge match. That's one of the theories. Okay. The other one is that Michaels was going to win against Sid. Sean was going to defend the title against Brett at WrestleMania, and Brett was going to win it. Now, if you believe Bret Hart, which, with a lot of things, that's okay. But when it comes to Shawn Michaels, it's a little harder because, you know, Brett will pull out the usual, well, you know, Shawn never wanted to drop the title to me. I thought I was a much better wrestler, had better matches. And Brett was a little, uh, I love Brett, but he's a little pissy when it comes to Shawn Michaels, like even today. Yes. I don't think that Shawn Michaels is sorry for a lot of that kind of behavior. It's time to stop. It's time to stop, okay? You know, if it wasn't for Brett's behavior to this day, I wouldn't. I would trust him that Sean was just ducking out of it. Right, um, right, right. And I understand, like Sean had a history of doing that, and mm-hmm. that's that's fine and all, whatever. He didn't like losing titles in the ring. Let's be but honest. Let's be fair yep. to Sean too. I will because outside of Bret Hart, I've never heard anyone say that Shawn Michaels did not have a knee injury. I've never heard anyone directly say that either. Yeah. I have heard Bret claim that other people thought that, but I haven't heard other people say it. You know what I'm saying? The fact that it's only Bret is why we need to start examining it and taking a grain of salt to that because Bret is one of the most bitter people I've ever heard in wrestling. Let's be, to be fair. I don't know about bitter, uh, curmudgeon-y perhaps, at least. Maybe bitter. I'm kind of, um, baffled when people tell me that they, that they think Ric Flair was the greatest wrestler of all time. Amen. Amen. Okay, with Shawn Michaels now, let's be fair to Shawn Michaels in all aspects. Right. He had been the champion since March and then briefly lost it to Sid. Right. Right. He had a very rough go. He was amazing in 96 and 97. No, right. No joke. He carried the show. One of the, and, and that was one of the pressures, I think, was like all these other guys were leaving. Right. And, and they were really heavily competing with Nitro. Michaels at that point in time, and he'll admit it, he wasn't, you know, on a personal level. His, <laughs> he was not the best that he had ever been. Let's put it very nicely. Right. He's the best he'd ever been in the ring, I would professionally, say. But right. Professionally, but personally, he was feeling it because yeah. literally this this in the midst of that 83 weeks at that point, mm-hmm. you know, like the buck stopped there on him because he was the face. And right? if you look around at, at that mid period of 96, it's it, pretty tough to be Shawn Michaels, honestly. Right. And I, none of his fault. I mean, Vince put him in that position. Rightfully not, so too. Not, yeah. To, to no, put him as champion. No, no, no. I just mean, Vince put his reign in that position right. where he didn't have anybody to fight really. Yeah, exactly. You know? Uh, he didn't want to work with Vader much, so that's that's on him. But nevertheless, he agreed to drop the title to Sid and do the rematch angle. And then all of a sudden in February, he uh, comes down with, <laughs> as one might come down with a cold, Shawn Michaels comes down with a knee injury. Right. Now, this was a little strange because he had no knee injury prior, yet he's limping at Thursday Raw Thursday, mm-hmm. which is a little suspicious. Like, all of a sudden, his knee is injured. Right. But, um, you know, Shawn had worked through pain before. He had. It's not a stretch to think... Maybe this guy really was hurt and he just was like not, you know, acting normal. Maybe in his brain he was going like, you know, like, you know, like how you go when you're like hiding an injury. Sure. 
It's, you know? it's totally possible. Right. And the story from Sean goes that his doctor told him, like, look, dude, you can't wrestle anymore. It's like, you can't wrestle on that knee. I mean, there's just, you know, again, you, you, sh- you shouldn't be out there. And that's when I came and, and, and told Vince, I gave him the report that he gave me. And he said, well, then, you know, that's it. I mean, like I sat there, you know, blubbered and cried in front of him because I did think it was over. And I have no doubt that a doctor would say that. Right. And that's another thing I want to get at is that um, these guys were always being told by doctors, you shouldn't be doing this anymore. You know, as soon as they had any injury of any kind. So I don't know if the statement that my doctor says I shouldn't wrestle anymore isn't factual. Right. It might very well be factual. Yeah. And I don't know that I have a problem with that. Right. I do think it's a little convenient. Can we put it this way? Convenient. I agree. It is convenient. That Michaels was in some way, shape, or form, whether he lost the title to Sid or whether he lost it to Brett, was supposed to fight Brett Hart and lose to him. Again, that's according to Brett. I haven't heard what Chat Me Up and all them have to say about it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Plus, I don't believe Pritchard half the time anyway. So I don't really <laughs> believe anybody because, the, like, if you... That's why we're on the case. No, but I mean, especially early 97. Remember how fucking chaotic it was? Like, yes. it was, like, ridiculous. Yeah. It was, like, all this stuff moving around. Right. Like, and especially with the emerging Austin disrupting everything. Right. Like, who knows where anything would have went? Valid point. Because what's interesting is Brett wound up winning the final four only to lose the title the next night to Sid, right? So you would think that Sid was probably going to win it no matter what and drop to Undertaker. Wasn't that the plan? Yes, and that's why it's always confusing to me because if Sean was dropping it to avoid something, right? Like dropping it to Brett, let's say. Losing the title to Brett. The logical explanation would be is if, Okay, well, Brett will be the champion fighting Austin at WrestleMania. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, not Sid and Undertaker. Not Sid and Undertaker. So, okay. what the hell? So, can we, you and I, and you folks, of course, let us know your vantage point. You can do that on Facebook or on Twitter or email us. Can we agree that Sid was going to be the champion going into WrestleMania? You and I agree likely that was the plan. I, I don't know what else it could be if if that's the way they went with Brett. Yeah. You know? Can you unless they felt that listen, there's there's one wild card here. Yep. They might have felt that Austin was the guy, but they wanted to wait a year so that they could properly in the traditional WWF fashion give him the Intercontinental right. title and have right. him have that and da 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 like how they always do. Like yeah. basically since like Macho Man. Yeah. Like, right. You that know, template. like so that's what happened in 97, like later on. Let me ask you this. What the hell does Steve Austin do if Brett's fighting Sean? What? That's another good question. I don't really. Right? Under, what does he go fight Savio again? <laughs> like, Owen Hart? Like, yeah, right. Like, like, who, who is he fighting? Yeah. What feud was he in? He was feuding with Bret Hart, wasn't he? And yeah. Bulldog a little bit, but they were, Owen and Bulldog were a team. Was anyway. Was supposed to be a triple threat match? I can't even imagine that. I, uh, like, I wouldn't think so. I, so. I don't understand. So I think that what happened is Michaels did indeed go to his doctor. His doctor said, you shouldn't wrestle anymore. Michaels didn't want to f- lose to Bret Hart, let's say. This right. is what I think could have happened. Whether or not the title's involved. Michaels didn't want to lose to Bret Hart. Maybe Michaels was going to lose regardless. To, to, to go someone? out to re- recoup the, from the injury. Okay. That's what I think. Is maybe that the injury is real. But they were like, okay, well, we need you to drop the title to somebody. And Sean, on his way out the door, basically gave Bret the finger. And says, like, well, I'm just going to forfeit it. <laughs> like that. Doesn't that seem like more logical? 
than it's, some like weird WrestleMania match where it like screws up everything. Yeah, I just like I, I think that if Michaels didn't want to lose, and then he would use a doctor saying that as like his note from his teacher, basically to Vince. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but how how do we know? Is he just didn't need time to recoup? Well, his doctor said you shouldn't wrestle ever again or something like that. Right. Like, for real. Yeah, but maybe he thought, okay, well, I'll take off a couple months, right? Yeah, because I don't want to lose to Bret no, Hart. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is is that the not losing to Bret thing is because sometimes they, you know, you work hurt, right? Yeah. Sometimes you lose on your way out to getting injured. Yes. Maybe Sean was slated to lose it to Bret, possibly. Yes. But, like, not at WrestleMania. I mean, like, before that, because he needed to just get out of there because he was hurt. Do you see what I'm getting at? I don't think and that he at that moment instead instead of losing to Brett, fuck you, I'm just going to forfeit it. Like you know what I'm you know what I'm saying. I, I get what you're saying. I do want to pose this question to you though, to the people that say he should have wrestled and dropped the title in the ring. After all that build up, would a hurt Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart in a short match even have been worth it? No, I exactly. wouldn't want it if, if Sean's hurt. Right, like, which we something was wrong. All intensive purposes, all he intensive. Was, all intensive purposes, he was hurt. Okay, <laughs> right, right, right. Whatever. <laughs> yes. He, but... <laughs> are, are we are we okay with that? He's hurt. Yeah, I mean, he's hurt. I don't think it was that bad. I said, if he's hurt and his career is over, and I feel really bad because he's too good a worker. Well, just like everybody thought, he surfaced conveniently right after with no injury at all. Because he was back in not, three months. It might have not been. Doesn't he do I, a moonsault <laughs> off the ropes at like WrestleMania 13 or something when he's announcing? Yeah, he also healed from two herniated discs after four years. So four like, years, though, not three I'm months. I'm just saying I, that that's a, that's the type of injury that is actually yes, truly career ending. That so I agree with. Maybe you know Sean's not the. He has a history of healing up. He has a history of uh, uh, having music video packages because he refuses the job too. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Does it hurt Sean's case? That the Dean Douglas thing, Dean Douglas happened uh, October '95, where again supposed to lose the title, and instead he's oh I got beat up, so I can't like even do a job in the ring. Listen, in that come case, on, in that case with his I, windbreaker. I, honestly, in that particular case, what the hell was Vince McMahon smoking that he would have Shawn Michaels lose to Dean Douglas? <laughs> like uh, okay, like I he, he was he was right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's ludicrous. Like, <laughs> to okay. be fair, like I would, I, if I worked there, I'd be like, I ain't losing. No, like I'm not doing that either. Like that's <sighs> insane. Quinn, as funny as it is, you, <laughs> and, and I can't even argue with some of this. That's kind of a coincidence. If, uh-huh. now, if you, no, but if you like look at it now, looking at back. We know that that's like an insane concept for him yeah. to lose to Dean Douglas, right? Listen, yes, like, I agree with we, you. We know that possibly. Or, or he was because literally it's only Bret Hart who says he's not like when he was hurt like there, there's no doubt there was about something it. wrong yes. yeah there was something wrong and I have to go back and I have to find my smile because somewhere along the line I lost it, oh, there it is. whatever happened I, I do think he still screwed Bret but I just think that it wasn't like he knew for the longest time that there was going to be some ma- match at match at Mania, <laughs> yeah, and, and he was going to like get embarrassed. Or I don't think it was something like that. I just think it was something like Brett was like, "Well, I'll just you know lose a quickie match to me, and I'll I'll hold the title, whatever." Brett's right? not the Booker though; he can't just be like, or, "I'll do this." Whatever. Maybe that was the plan, right? I don't All know what I'm the plan saying was. is, is that it makes more sense to me that if anything, if if Sean screwed anyone, it's that he just refused to job on his way out to rehab. 
I, I can give you that. I yeah. think he still could have taken a power bomb from Sid in a very short match and used the excuse like I was injured. That's why Sid beat me. Right. That could have happened too. I think the bottom line is, and again, we want to know your vantage point, folks. So please let us know on Twitter or on Facebook, or you can even email us the old school. I think the bottom line though, Quinn, is that it worked out fine in the end. Right. Now I think that Sean was legit injured. And I think that Sean, uh, kind of use that legit injury as a convenient way to not lose the title in the ring right regardless to whomever i think it was convenient for him yeah. and he used it he had yeah. that card and he cashed it either in. bread or sit depending right. on which version and the layout you want so i will give him that but i will also say i'm glad it happened that way because we got brett austin out of the deal yeah and we got Shawn michaels awesome later 97 run out of the deal we too got, we got good things so. so that is a uh, case closed yeah case closed All right, well, when we come back, it's a very, very fun Mount Rushmore in Death Valley, and that'll be coming up right after this. This Tuesday night, be a part of the action of the Texas Wrestling Alliance. Join us at ROS Rodeo for uncensored, in-your-face wrestling. It's high-flying, pile-driving action, where you have front-row seats for all the excitement, inside the ring and out. Plus, you'll have a chance to meet all your favorite TWA superstars up close and personal. It's the Texas Wrestling Alliance. Be there this Tuesday night at 7.30 at the Far West Rodeo. 3030 Northeast, Loop 410. Doors open at 7 and mission is $10. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on episode number 86. Thanks for being with us, June 18th, 2018. Hey, Quinn. Yeah? <laughs> We're going to do Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, and this is where each week we have put, and we will continue to put, four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore, and four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. It could be anything, but this week it is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Four Horsemen members. Aha. This was inspired by a conversation we had with Filippo last week. Yes. During the Flair feuds. We talked about the Death Valley of Horsemen members. Now we're going to do it officially. And obviously, if you had never heard of the Four Horsemen, let me put it this way. Before there was Bullet Club, before there was DX, before there was the NWO, there were the Four Horsemen. Anytime you see the Four Horsemen together, it's something special. One of the best factions ever, if you Absolutely. ask me. One of the best factions. They worked together. It's kind of cool. They started in sort of a loose association for a bit in 85. It was completely organic. Yeah. Kind of like if you're a newer fan. Remember Daniel Bryan and how he rose to fame? Yeah, I remember like, that. It was like organic. Yeah, it just it, happened. It just kind of happened. This kind of just happened. It was really great. You know, Flair obviously is in every incarnation of the Four Horsemen. Right. It's built around him. And but it wasn't even initially like that wasn't like the idea to build no. a stable around Ric Flair. It was just like, hey, these are some heels that, you know, <laughs> yeah. can help him fight Dusty Rhodes. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Magnum and all that. Yeah. So Quinn and I have decided that because Ric Flair is like the fulcrum, because he's the nucleus, because he's the centerpiece we're going to not include Ric Flair because clearly he is the horseman. Right. There's no, that's not who we're talking about here. We're talking about the members. The members surrounding him at any given time from its inception in 1985 until the last incarnation in like 80 or 99 or whatever it was. Was that the one where like, I hate you, Eric Bischoff and Ric Flair, get on out here, potato chips and all that. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yes. Okay. Potato chips. Yeah. So, uh, 
Quinn, I guess we both had the pick on this one. Yeah. Why don't you just take the stick? Why don't you throw the first one out there? Who's one of the best members of the Four Horsemen, in your opinion? Well, I'd have to say it's uh, Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson. Uh, as uh, Dusty Rhodes would say. Double A Ian Anderson. Now, Arm, Arm yeah. Anderson, Quinn, was like the constant in the Horsemen. Yeah. From, it, from the time it started until 97, he retired. And then he was like the Ric Flair going out here thing in 98. Yeah. Arn is one of the best non-main eventers of all time. Oh, hell yeah. He's probably one of the best mid-carters ever, like, exist, period. He had a great look. He always looked like he was 43. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how. (laughs) And he, like, it was really weird because he was, like, the baby of the group. He was so young when it started. He was, like, 26 or 7. Yeah. Like, most of it, he was the baby. And then, like, all of a sudden, he just morphed into, like, a really, really old man, even though he already, like, looked old at the time, but, like, when he got older, he looked, like, really, yeah. really old. <laughs> a great technical wrestler, a yeah. great brawler, a great promo, yep. great look. Everything about him just screams good. You didn't hear any music. You didn't see any face paint. You don't see any glitter. What you see is playing boots and playing tots. And what you also saw was playing wrestling, which is on the marquee. Yeah, it, it's weird because it's kind of a shame he never got a true, like, main event run. Not Maybe not just the champion, but, like, in a main event feud. Right. He you was know? always at the top of the mid-card, is the best right. way to put him. Yeah. He was also, uh, you know, a very good tag wrestler as right. well. He was the uh, a constant TV champion a lot of his career. Tag team champion. Tag team champion. Was he ever U.S.? He was, right? He was. I don't U- think he no? was. Well, he might have in, like, the 90s. Yeah, maybe the I 90s. I don't remember. Like, you know, when it was, like... All sorts of weird yeah. people. But he was like the go-to. He was the guy like no matter what year of the Horseman you were in, right. whether it was the first incarnation, whether it was some bizarre 90s version of it, you could count on Arn to be there. They called him the Enforcer. He was even in imitation versions like the Dangerous Alliance. <laughs> he was, stuff, right. Like, yeah. yeah, the fake 90s version called yeah. the Dangerous Alliance. When you think Ric Flair, you think Arn Anderson sometimes. When you think Horseman, you think Flair and He's Anderson. He's his best friend. He is, and at one point they were kayfabe cousins. I don't, I don't know if you remember that. In they the always, early 80s. actually, they always, they were. always carried that through. Oh yeah, um, Flair is an Anderson. Yeah, that's, that's that, the storyline, right? Yeah, or he's like a cousin of the Anderson. Which is funny, because no one's an Anderson Which, since, like, Gene or before that. I have to applaud the consistency, <laughs> yeah. because that's, like, from the 70s. I know, like, yeah, exactly. And they just, like, kept it. It's from Gene and Oli, I think. Yeah. And, like, Oren's not even an Anderson. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Flair's always related to them somehow. My, he's my cousin. It's like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> now, Quinn, obviously, uh, I can't see any reason Oren wouldn't make it. Yeah. So we could either put him in, or I can throw one at you. What do you no, want to do? Think, Arn is like a lock. Okay. So there's I no further yeah, there's debate. No, no one will knock him off. He let's was, put it that way. He's a true horseman, you know, in every sense of the word. He was the guy that was always there, kind of the second in command for the most part, for lack of a better term. You know right. what I mean? All right. So for number one, the enforcer, Iron Anderson. <laughs> Quinn, may I present to you Tully Blanchard? Yes, I was actually going to bring him up as Good. well as number two. I, I uh, Tully is awesome. Excuse me, Mr. Jim Crockett is out here. Mr. Crockett, what do you got another check to cancel or something? Now, here's a weird thing that a lot of people tend to forget about the Four Horsemen. Go ahead. When the Four Horsemen began, kind of the number two was Tully. It wasn't Arn Anderson. Is that so? Yeah. Arn Anderson was like the younger junior in like a tag team with Ollie. <laughs> right. Tully, on the other hand, he was like a singles mid-card champion. He was like the national heavyweight champion. 
And he was, before the Horseman started, in his own right, he was pretty much like a good, solid mid-card star. Right. He's what Arn Anderson would become. Yeah, a few right. years later. Right, yeah. Right in the later 80s. So, Tully was kind of like the second in command. Like, usually in a faction, you... Like, a faction of this nature, and I know this is like a first time for the horsemen. Mm-hmm. The horsemen were first, but... The horsemen. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, later on, the, the pattern would be, it's like, your lead is the world champion, like mm-hmm. Ric Flair, and your second is, like, the Intercontinental or uh, U.S. champion right. or something. But, you know, Tully was that secondary, like, the other singles guy. Yeah, he wasn't just some... Um, jabron that got drafted into this thing he was right. a star in his own right and he brought along baby doll yes he did and when they when they first formed baby doll was part of it she was so, uh she was in the faction uh she was tully's manager and she would come out with the rest of them afterwards she was also a perfect 10 yeah she's a perfect 10 yeah tully blanchard with his perfect 10 baby doll uh yeah i mean tully i think has to be the next one in right tully blanchard is one of those guys that uh, just another awesome solid wrestler Right. Fun promo. Good promo, I think. Very, Very good. good promo. Even when he was old. Remember at the Heroes of Wrestling, yes. he had like the best promo. He like, was good of, at that. Out of nowhere, <laughs> yes. like it's like he just he's like in the parking lot, like bald <laughs> and looks like an idiot, but he cuts a promo and you're like, eh, I, I, I believe I, him. I, I, believe, I believe him. <laughs> yeah. I want him to go see I want to go see him kick someone's ass. I think it was Stan Lane's yeah. ass, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about taking everything that you got, everything that you are, and bringing it and stirring it back up. Yeah, I think Tully has to be number two, and I think it'll get a little nittier and even perhaps Quinn a little grittier right. uh, for the as it normally does when we have two easy ones. Usually, the second two are a little harder. Yeah. So okay, are we in agreement? Nothing's knocking Tully out of this. No, I don't think so. All right, so let's just make it official here for number two, Tully Blanchard. <laughs> What's on your mind, Michael? Well, I want to step away from the wrestlers and look at a manager for a second because I think he was a constant. We're county managers. We, yeah. Okay. I, I think we should because okay. when they inducted the Four Horsemen Hall of Fame, this man was there. Okay. And he was very, he was always present and he always felt like a threat at ringside and or even in the outside storyline, like that he would cause some trouble like financially and contract wise to J.J. Dillon. Yeah, JJ was with them since the beginning. Yep. Right? Since the beginning. Because he came in, um, I think he was also associated with Tully Blanchard, too, or something, or like Ric Flair. There was like a lot of people floating all yeah. over the place, like manager wise. Right, but right. JJ had managed Tully, and then Tully also had Baby Doll, also. Yeah, it was a whole. Like, Tully brought in a lot of people into this, let's put it that way. And JJ always had a loose association with Ric Flair anyway. We hogtied him to make an example of him. Now, what do you think of JJ as a promo? I find him rather boring. I'm um, not going to lie to you. I find him I I find him interesting because he seems legit. Boring in a sense that like no, this is like a real like businessman like he's pulling the strings behind the scenes. Like he does what he needs to do. And the one thing I always liked about JJ Dillon is that when it came down to um you know, taking the hit for the four horsemen. Mm-hmm. That guy would take bumps. He'd get his shirt ripped off. True. Look like an idiot. Like, yep. like that guy would do whatever needed to be done to to make the horsemen look good, even when they had to look bad. You know what I mean? Okay, I understand. I mean, it's it's tough to make a case against JJ Dillon, right? I mean, eighty five to eighty nine. That's pretty much the the, the peak the, of the the, the, the the whole peak run. Yeah, yeah. He he was the constant. The constant presence, even when they changed Oli to, you know, uh, other Barry people, Windham Windham and Luger. Luger and all that. You know, that that brings up another one I want to just consider yeah. here. 
And again, I think JJ will probably make it if we're counting managers. Mm-hmm. Barry Windham was a really, really yep. good replacement for Ole. I know it was Luger first for a little bit. Yep. But Windham, that like Barry Windham is one of those unfortunate cases of missed potential, I think, or unfulfilled potential. It's weird because anytime he would like be in WCW or uh, Crockett's, uh, he, he was great, right? But then he'd go anywhere else and he would just be booked like a joke. The Widowmaker! There's one of them right there, the Widowmaker! Yeah. Like, and it was weird. I, I don't understand. He was he was treated like world champion material and, in fact, the world champion yes. at one point. WCW, NWA. He's interesting. Um, he's one of the later horsemen. Uh, well, in the initial run. Yeah, he repl- yeah. He was the first guy to replace some. No, Luger, no, Luger was, but was. He, he lasted a lot longer than Luger did. Right. And actually, Ric Flair has cited... Um, the Rick Arn, uh, Barry Windham, Barry and Tully version mm-hmm. as the the best and JJ of course yeah. the best version. Hard to disagree with that because Barry Windham was big. He had a good look, and he was like you mentioned in WCW or NWA or whatever. He was a really good wrestler and booked as such. Right. He was also kind of the like you know how Luger replaced Tully as the like the singles guy, the, yeah. the mid-card singles guy. Mm-hmm. Like, then, like, Barry replaced Luger. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, it went from Tully to Luger to Barry. I like that incarnation of the yeah. Horseman, and I like Barry Windham in the Four Horsemen. Yeah. I don't know that I like him any other time, <laughs> except when he's in the Four Horsemen, yeah. to be honest with you. I actually think another one um, to be considered, because he was short-lived, but I really liked it, uh, the Brian Pillman. Yeah, uh, Pillman was fun, actually. of the Horsemen. It was different because for the first time, the Horsemen had a loose cannon. Like, the loose cannon character started. was started there. He had come off of being fry, uh, flying Brian yeah. throughout most of 95. And hi, you know, yeah. but then he started to, like, slowly lose his shit. Right. And then he joined the Horsemen. I loved it because they never turned on him as a group. They had to, it was like they had to hold him back kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, they're like, no, don't, like, don't do it, Brian. Like, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and I just thought it was, it was interesting because by that 90s point, the horsemen had always been associated with like class and ladies in gowns and like yes. satin and bullshit. <laughs> but here you got this guy that's just a fucking asshole. Like, no respect for anything. Like, he's wonderful. He's like, he's kind of like how Dean Ambrose is crazy. Yeah, but he was like, better at it. Right, he was better at Much it. Much better. Yeah. He's groveling. He's begging on his hands and knees like some gutter slime. Bad handling for pocket change in the sewers of Times Square. And this was a new character for Pillman at the time. Yeah, because he had played, even when he was a heel in the Hollywood Blondes and, yeah. and before that, he wasn't like a... He had a psych- bit of an edge in yeah. the Hollywood Blondes. But he wasn't like a psychotic character, you right. know, like an unpredictable character. Right. It was really cool. That was Pillman's probably his height as a heel wrestler. And obviously he would leave in April and go to ECW and uh, have that yeah. car accident. WWF signed him a few months later. It's sad because you could really see, and he was a pretty young guy at that point, you could really see the budding, the blossoming of a really promising, you know, heel run. Yeah, and I think if he didn't get hurt, he would have been a fantastic wrestler in that run, too, because Austin always said it in his podcast. I thought this was interesting. He said, I went to Pillman's house, and I saw all the trophies, and I realized this guy was the real deal athlete. Like, all of us were just fakes compared to him. It's a football player. He was on the Bengals. Yeah. He was a legit like, athlete. Yeah, and I guess my point is, is that this guy, the sky was the limit athletically had he not gotten hurt. Yep, he was a fantastic wrestler. Yeah. A heel or face. 
And in the Horseman, it really fit for that era. That's the late '95 through you know mid '96, which era. I'm a fan of. A lot I like of people it too. Don't like that. I like, I like that reformation. I like it too. With Pillman, mm-hmm. it was excellent. And Voldemort and all that. Yeah. It was a it was a good incarnation. I thought. Yeah, Pillman's up there. I think we're really counting managers, huh? I think we have to because the Four Horsemen they had a very prominent manager. A lot of people who watched the run. Yeah. And like when I was watching a couple of years back on WWE 24 seven, when they were putting up all these old uh, WW shows, mm-hmm. JJ to me, he was like, you know, the first, when the horseman would first like come up to the box to be interviewed every single week, it's always JJ says something. And then they all talk like, <sighs> yeah. I, 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 he's just, I can't like imagine the four horsemen without him, without JJ. Yeah. Honestly, I know you don't love him, but if you watch those shows, he just kind of grows on you, and you're like, well, this guy is the group. Like, he's part of the group. Fungus grows on you, too, Quinn. I'm just saying, Joe. If we're county managers, fine. We can put J.J. Dillon in. as I think he would be number three, then. Yeah. I definitely think okay. he, I definitely think he would have to be in there. Okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. I have no complaints. So. And he, that guy, the balls on him to go into war games and just get like, yeah, that's true. Up. Like, <laughs> that is cool. Yeah, it was a war games eighty seven or something. Yeah, like the that? first yeah. one, yeah. he just gets like destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, JoJo Dylan for number three. Yeah, all right, he's so got, he's got it. He's for number be three, JJ Dylan. <laughs> Does Sid belong in this discussion or no? Not after the scissors. <laughs> no, that was, this is before that. Yeah, but I think it's all connected. <laughs> Just Sid and WCW. Yeah. I mean, Sid came in in 89 or 90 and um, he had a, there's another guy where it's more about the look than the wrestler and yeah. the wrestling ability. The thing is, they had tried that already with Luger. Like yeah, that true. was like the thing, and that's then they true. just like Luger was like a baby face immediately. Yes. Like they were just like, okay, well, you're not in this group anymore. So is it Barry Windham? Then I would think. Who else is there that has any kind of contendership? Chris Voldemort. Seri- in all seriousness, Chris Benoit. Yeah. Why do you think so? I'm not saying no. He brought that raw like wrestler thing back to the group that was missing, not the entertainment aspect, um, okay. which had kind of become the horseman after a while the, the ridiculous like parties VIP and, table <laughs> VIP table and not to say Flair couldn't still go and and arms couldn't it wasn't but it had become it gotten out of control by that mid 90s point this is why I love that second that or you know fourth or whatever version of <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. by the mid 90s is because half of the group was this raw wrestler core this crazy eyed like but could like was a high flyer in Hillman yep. and this like just this technical beast in Chris. Good way to like, put him. That group had an edge to it because it of it. Like, and it was it was cool. Enter the fourth horseman, the crippler. Sting, it's quite obvious that you're not aware of who you're dealing with. That was the first incarnation of the horseman that I saw like live. You know right, what I mean? Me too. Because we were watching yeah. WCW at the time, and for and I, I had known who they were already, but I hadn't seen them. Right. And this was Flair, Arn, Voldemort, and Pillman. And I bought it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I loved like, it. Who could beat these these guys? Everyone in this group is a stud. And the way they treated uh, was with a lot of respect in terms of his wrestling yeah. ability. It, you got to remember, too, when this started, Arn wasn't hurt yet. So no, it, not it, yet. It's still the whole group as a whole. Like, Arn seemed like the old lion, like, teaching yes. uh, the, the, the two younger guys. And Flair, of course, was, you know, still winning world titles by with that the short point. hair yeah with the short <laughs> hair mushroom he, cut. and he had liz and woman and all that <sighs> yeah yeah i guess voldemort has 
contendership, but isn't Barry Windham probably the number four here? I would say Barry Windham is definitely the number four. I just wanted to, um, I think we can't talk about it without the uncomfortable subject of Voldemort, but I mean, he definitely should be considered. That's he gets all. an honorable mention of nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think Pillman is the only one that maybe can give Barry Windham a run for its money. The one thing about Pillman, and it's not his fault, is that era of the horseman, whereas it was very good yeah. and it was very fun, it was not nearly as important as right. the, they weren't they weren't the top group no. anymore. Hogan and his feud with the Dungeon of Doom was actually at the top at that point. Yeah, if you recall, the horsemen <laughs> they were all they were formed again by that point and they were like cronies for like For the Dungeon of Doom. Like, come on. That was insulting. I'm sorry. Like look, you got this awesome hard edged group. Right. Remember it like devolves into like has a problem with Kevin Sullivan and they fight in the bathroom or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> that does happen. Yeah. Doesn't Arn also wear like a sweatsuit at the <laughs> Uncensored 96? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he doesn't give a shit. Nobody cares. Because <laughs> the Dunder of Doom was a fucking joke. Yes. And the fact that you had this cool new, like, new age horseman, yeah. it was like, well, screw those goofs. Yeah. Like, it was annoying. I agree with you. The faction itself, the Horseman faction of 95-96 was awesome because you had the two old guards in flair and arm and then the two new guys and it was so cool and it had a great look and aesthetic and it w- would have been really great. But, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't even in the main event most of the time. You know, I do think it's a good time to actually, because I don't think he'll make it into the Death Valley, but I thought, you know, losing Pillman, right, sucked. Yeah. But I truly... A lot of people have like a big problem with this guy. Oh no! I thought Mongo was fine as as a re- like I I have no issue. He's not going to make the Red Rushmore or but he's not going to make Death Valley. Like, can you I'll like? Try. Will you at least admit that like Mongo just in the Horseman? Let's. I'm not talking about his wrestling or anything. Just yeah. that presence of like a big football player, especially when Arn was getting up there and he was legit hurt and couldn't really do anything anymore. Well, that's true. It helped shore up things and made the group still seem viable. I can't argue with that. Like you, I can't argue with that. Because you now had a fucking enforcer. Because he's a fucking football player with a briefcase. Halliburton. Yeah, Halliburton, yeah. Halliburton. Like, and he's huge. He was a very big man. He was man. a big guy. He yeah, was a like, very big guy, and he was convincing yeah. looking as a wrestler. You right. know what I mean? He wasn't yeah. even a, a bad wrestler, really. He was okay. He was okay. He, he wasn't good, but... He was serviceable. <laughs> he was better than some actual wrestlers but, that had come down I, the and pike. Flair always cites that, like, he was one of the best per- people they ever recruited because he was one of the he couldn't flair was so happy that this guy fucking mongo like because he was just like the party animal <sighs> yeah i know like and flair was like in love with them he's like he i think in flair's brain this is like the second best version <laughs> of the horse just because mongo's there hey. and, and remember those stories about when mongo disappeared like flair was like looking for him like he was like he was sad like <laughs> yes. he loved mongo did you know that mongo also got ejected from a baseball game after singing the national anthem once <laughs> in like oh one or something that seems like something mongo would do you know who ejected him who angel hernandez oh i hate him <laughs> i hate that ump he's one of the worst umps i'll have a, i'll have some speaks with that home plate umpire after the game would you believe that after he led the fans in song the umpire had mcmichael ejected from the ballpark Honorable mention to Mongo. I yeah. still might bring him up for fun in the Death Valley, but yeah, you're you right. Can, you're but right, I mean, though. Like he, I really don't like. Even even though I didn't know that partying stuff at the time, I still like. It was like I respected it. I was like, this is fine. There's something about Steve McMichael. I'll give him credit. 
he had a unique charisma. Yeah. He did. There was something about there it. There was something. He'd come to the ring and be like, yeah, baby. And he would like put the four up and then he'd just punch someone in the face and leave, right? Like, <laughs> He's the kind of guy that you would find as like a guest on Tool Time. Yeah, Not exactly. home improvement, but Tool Time right, specifically. Right. Yeah, totally. You know, like, oh, I'm here to help you, Tim. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he just had that like barbecue atmosphere about him. Like, oh, let's have a good time a here. real man's man. <laughs> right? There was something likable about him. Not as an announcer, maybe, but as a wrestler and in the horseman. Okay, Our, and he brought us Deborah, and, uh, <laughs> and that brought us Say, puppies, Jr. Yeah, puppies, Jr. Now, Deborah, you know her face an, could hold an eight-day reign. You know another honorable uh, mention to managers. Um, there I know isn't I, any I liked w- woman women. And, uh, I like woman <laughs> and still, Elizabeth. You still like women? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, was um no, actually, never mind. I'm I woman is nancy green or whatever yes <laughs> sorry like yeah. robin green robin green nancy yeah. uh sullivan Benoit. yeah whatever when she first was in the four horse yeah also i'm not counting them because they didn't do shit <laughs> it's different than jj because jj at least was like involved they were just I like hi rick woman was very like she wasn't afraid to like hit somebody in the back with a kendo stick or anything uh, like that i mean i'll give her that she was supposed to be like the femme fatale kind of thing. Very fatale. Yeah. So fatale. Yeah. I'm just saying, a woman wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty. Let's put it that way. Mm, let's put it nicely. Yeah. All right. All that said, though, Quinn, yeah. is it Barry Wyndham? I know we didn't extol the virtues of him too much. The thing that I could say about Barry is he's, in a lot of ways, what McMichael later was. Right. A bit of an ominous presence. A good talker, too, Barry. When yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible. A big guy who seemed guy. like he he was he could hurt somebody. Let's yep. put it that way. And he was credible. Yeah. You know, he was a credible wrestler, and they treated him the right way. Right. I think it's... I mean, I think Pillman's great. Yeah. I think Voldemort's great. Right. Sid, I think, just because he's Sid, and I like Sid, but... And Mongo is his own entity. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're okay with it, I think Wyndham is the clear number four here. All right, definitely. So for number four, Barry Windham. All right, well, to recap for Donnie, we have in the Mount Rushmore of four Horsemen members, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon, and Barry Windham. That's our Mount Rushmore. Quinn, I'm going to start you off here, and I'm I'm not going to go with the obvious one. Okay. Because when people think of the bad horseman, right, there's yeah. a very obvious one. Yeah. I'm going to go with another bad horseman because he was so fucking ubiquitous and annoying during this period of time. Jeff Jarrett. Oh, yeah. His, his involvement. I actually think he's definitely, like, number one. You think like, so? Because, okay. I could not stand that whole thing where he's like, I'm in the horseman now! (laughs) Ric Flair loves me! Because last week, I proved that I was a horseman. I proved that I was horseman material. I'm gonna kiss Ric Flair on the mouth. Like, I hated all of that. And then, like, he, like, gets Deborah with him. Like, all of it was dumb i did feel like and, and again no, not a knock on mongo yeah but i really felt like that bullshit with him and mongo went on for like years yes <laughs> felt like forever <laughs> what was and by that? the way do you, even good you know what i just realized the other day i was watching like some i think some worldwide or something that like pd was watching okay. i don't know it was something, but do you remember that led to like Deborah like managing Alex Wright or something? No. Yeah, do you remember that? No. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. I was like, oh shit, I remember that now. Das Wunderkid? Yeah, when he was heel or whatever, but like Ew. 
that whole Jeff Jarrett just dragged them down thing. He did, and he had the strappies, don't forget. It yeah. was the strappies era, which now, is not a good era. You know, if we were talking about Jeff Jarrett, somebody else that did kind of sort of the same thing was Kurt Hennig. But I think that was part of a angle because Hennig came in and I think Oren's like, I'm going to give you my spot. Right. No, I think they had already like inducted him. And then he betrayed them or a something. Mu- yeah, he was only there for like a month. Like, while Jeff and- Jarrett was like on tryout for a million years. Yeah, well, what? Like, that? Kurt Hennig was like actually like in the group for like a couple weeks or yeah, something. Yeah, for a brief period of time, he turned yeah. on him, he joined the NWO, right? Right. But, <laughs> Kurt Hennig. But Jeff Jarrett, though, Quinn, was like the fifth horseman forever, but he was also really in the horseman. No, but he wasn't. He was at one point. No, remember, everyone was like, I don't trust him. Yeah. Like, like a million years. But does he count? Yeah, no, okay. well, he's part of it because okay. he definitely was like in the group, but he wasn't at the same time. Like, I, if you could hold both of those positions, but it's like one half of the group trusted him, right? One, yeah. It was the old guys, right? It was Arn and Ric Flair were like, he's good, brother, or whatever. And then, like, Mongo, right? Mongo Didn't trust him. and Voldemort, like, hated him, <laughs> if I recall. I think that's what it was. I think it was, but it was just, it, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett isn't good. Yeah. He's just not good. And it, it wasn't fun. Yeah. It was annoying. I'm pretty sure at some point, like, Mongo or Voldemort beat the shit out of him, too. Good. Yeah, like I feel like that happened, but I could be just like envisioning it wrong or something. I hope you're right about yeah. that. Now, do we put him on as number one, though, Quinn, or do we, you know, do we go elsewhere still? I think there's somewhere else to go. Where do you want to go? Uh, Paul Roma. Yeah. <laughs> now, first of all, I need to make this very clear. Paul Roma doesn't need the woo. He didn't, he didn't need the woo. Rick Flair needed the woo. Right. You know, he had the woo. I didn't need the woo. Yeah, I don't need the woo, Paul. Now Roma this says. guy was uh, better than Ric Flair, allegedly. Ric Flair wishes he was Paul Roma, right? Yes. Uh, now Paul Roma was in the sad reincarnation of 1993, right? W- where they brought back from May to December. Yeah, they brought back only for like a day, but they they reformed <laughs> it, <laughs> and instead of Dolly Blanchard, you have Paul Roma, who was never good ever. He was. A young stallion? Like, <laughs> really? This guy? Get out of here. Joe, I mean... Worse than Jarrett, right? Yes. Maybe less annoying, though. This guy <laughs> never was ever good. Like, ever. <laughs> I mean, why didn't they just have Barry Horowitz be in the Four Horsemen? I mean, like, it would be the same difference. Brooklyn Brawler, he's, he's up for... His contract was probably up around. What about that. Jim Powers? Didn't yeah. yeah, Jim Powers. You know, literally anybody like could have replaced Paul Roma, Jose Luis Rivera, right? Yeah, Jose Estrada, Jose Lothario <laughs> in 1993. Yeah, and John. Seriously, like this guy was shit. Now, I will say one nice thing about Paul Roma. What he was an adequate wrestler. Great. But this, he had a decent look, I guess. Yeah, but the horsemen are not supposed to just be the horsemen adequate are not wrestlers. supposed to have jobbers in them. <laughs> like he was a jobber. An actual jobber. What about power and glory? They didn't even they weren't they were like one of the low teams. Like they were managed by Slick. Like you know that too. I do know like, that. Like it was like it was like fat Hercules and Paul Roma. Pretty boy of Roma. What did he call himself? Romeo. No, only Romeo. Lord Alfred called him yeah. that. He wants to be called Romeo Roma, Sean. Yeah, yeah that. <laughs> well, that you shit. shit. Yeah. Romeo Roma. That guy was crap in that team. Like, that team was Hercules was the, the headliner, <laughs> if anything. Now, who was the captain of the Young Stallions, though? The Young Stallions? Was Roma at least the captain yeah, of that? Yeah, he would have to be because Jim Powers sucks. 
Remember when WCW had Jim Bowers? Yeah, and they were like, he's alone. <laughs> like, it's like, what? That was like 10 years ago, maybe. Like, it was literally like 95, maybe 96. I was watching some Nitro once, and there was just a vignette where it was like, uh, Jim Powers and like a bunch of other guys from the 80s like posing on a beach and they're like look at these young studs coming to WCW like I'm like isn't Jim Powers 40 like what is this okay so all that said is Paul Roma should we put Paul Roma in as number one yes okay without question he doesn't need the woo though he didn't need the woo <laughs> die 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 okay can I I don't want to be sacrilegious here, but what about Ole Anderson? Yes, I was actually going to go there just now. That was my next one also. Now, what's your you're, pro- you're right on, on scope with me here. All right. I just don't think that Ole, like, I like his promos. Yeah. I really don't think his promos are bad. I like the way he talks. I like his sure. overall demeanor. But he's so shitty Listen, by this time anyway. First of all, he's an asshole in real life. <laughs> Second of all, if you notice in a lot of the promos when they first started, mm-hmm. He tries to, like, take command of this thing. Like, no, this is, like, this was built for Ole Anderson. <laughs> like, there's just, like, a weird, like, I know it's not, like, s- history books won't write it that way or whatever. <laughs> the history it's just, books. like, an un- it's, like, an unsaid, like, I-, I just got the gist that, like, he thinks that this is partially about him. <laughs> like, and I- I'm just, like, no. Now, who did it? They slip on a banana peel? No, they were against the Andersons, they were against Blanchard, they were against the Four Horsemen. The thing about Ole is I know he's an original member and he came back like that one time in 93, like Slamboree or whatever it was. Nobody liked him though! (laughs) Nobody! It's true. Even the Four Horsemen didn't like him. Now, in the ring by the 80s, he was like crap, right? He was just like whatever. He was just kind of a slower version of Arn Anderson. <laughs> like, honestly, like yeah. when I saw him, I'm like, oh, he's doing Arn Anderson things. Right. Like, even though, like, he probably was doing Arn Anderson before Arn Anderson. But yeah, exactly. Obviously, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, he just looked like an old version of him. <laughs> he did. It looked like Arn Anderson's, like, uncle. Yeah, it wasn't, like, bad. Yeah. He was just like, uh, you should retire, bro. <laughs> right. Okay, so Oli's on the table, then. Is there anyone else you want to bring up as really bad, Quinn? <laughs> I have some um, in mind, but I'll I, throw to you. Like, what? Why was Sting ever yeah. in this group? Okay, like, so Sting was in the group when they were face, right? And they like it was another arm of the Ric Flair turns on Sting like three thousand times. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those. You know that trope? Yeah, Ric Flair Sting is dumb, basically. Yeah. So they like sucker him into the Horsemen, basically. If, if I recall correctly, they like lure him in. They're like, "No, we're nice now. Don't worry about yeah. it." And then they just turn on him anyway. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why, whenever Sting's in a group, it never goes well? Like, first he's in the Horseman, and then later he's in NWO Red, and he changes his face paint and looks like an idiot. And, like, (laughs) to me, it actually, like, made Sting worse. Like, by the time he reverted back to regular, like, black and white Sting, like, he sucked. Like, feuding with Vampiro. Yeah, exactly. But my point is, it's like, Sting should never join groups. No. Absolutely not. And groups seem to always attack Sting, even when he was like 100 years old at WrestleMania, like <laughs> DX attacked him. Remember when, that? When he was dressed like he was in Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm so, just saying, Sting has has bad history with groups. I don't think he should have ever been in this. That's one of the things. Like, yeah. Paul Roma should have never been in it. Yeah. Sting should have never been in it. It's nothing against Sting, the wrestler. Right. But it's Horseman member. Also, now, now I got one. Yeah, okay, go ahead, go ahead. What about Hiro Matsuda? <laughs> okay, if we're counting... Yamaguchi Corporation or whatever. <laughs> Yamakaze, yeah. Yamakaze. If we're counting managers, 
I'll count him. This guy. Why was he there? He didn't do anything. <laughs> and like, remember they like renamed the horseman or yeah, something? Yeah, Yamakazi Corporation or whatever. Yeah, because, you know, when I think of the four horsemen, I think of Japan. <laughs> but like, wasn't that part of the gimmick? Like, I don't was... get what this was. <laughs> this seems so weird. Like, okay, if you're like a big corporation, right? Mm-hmm. What's like a big athletic thing you want to buy? Like a baseball team? Sure. Maybe a hockey team if you don't have as much money. You know, <laughs> Nobody cares about hockey. Yeah, exactly. Or an NFL team is like definitely the peak, oh, yeah. right? But you know what? Instead of any of that, let's buy a faction <laughs> in a smaller company that's not even the WWF. Southern Wrestling. Southern Wrestling Company. Let's buy a faction and rename it. But like in such a way where it seems like it's it's almost like renaming like Yankee Stadium like Gillette Park or something like it's more like that kind of renaming. It's almost like renaming a Shea Stadium a Citibank Field. Right. You exactly. Know I mean? No, but I was just saying <laughs> I like, know. if you yeah. just rename a stadium like that's basically what they're doing to the Four Horsemen. Yep. Was there? I'm not as familiar with this. I've only seen a couple of things because it it, it was po- during the time when Flair feuded with Funk and mm-hmm. and Steamboat. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, like, why is this guy here? Like, I really just, it was dumb. I don't know why he was there. I honestly don't know what the reason was. I don't know if Dylan needed to get out of there. Because it was around the time Dylan left, right? And he came in and replaced him. Well, didn't JJ go to WWF? Isn't that why? Yeah, but I don't know if he went to WWF then or not. I can't remember. But I thought it was around that time. It was. It was 89. You're right. Yeah. The thing about Hiromatsuda, though, is a, you know, person does. He was a trainer. And he most famously, I guess, trained Hulk Hogan. Did he train Bret Hart? Or no, that was, some other that was Mr. Mr. Haito uh, and yeah. Mr. Sapporo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't Bret Hart name. DVD. I just yeah. You know, I owe those tag team wrestlers my well, life or whatever. Those very nice men from Japan. They were very nice to me. They told me one day I was going to be the best wrestler yeah. that there ever was and that I would have really good matches. No, but Hero must... <laughs> He would say that too. <laughs> but Hiro Matsuda, we're being really rough on Brett today. Yeah. Well, at least he never lost a smile. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Hiro Matsuda was the guy that trained Hulk Hogan. But because for some reason, like in the 70s, it was acceptable that if you were teaching someone a fake sport, you broke their leg. Yeah, well, I do that all the time when I'm teaching <laughs> people fuck? wrestling. Yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to teach you how to shoot a gun by shooting you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what that is? What are you talking about? Yeah. So I don't like that about him either. That's not a point in his favor. However, Quinn, can we just say here that Jeff Jarrett should go in? Oh, get him I, out I of the didn't way. realize he wasn't in. Yeah, yeah we got to no, get him out yeah, of the get, way. Get him in there. Ain't he great? Yeah, no, he, no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> not. Anything with Jeff Jarrett is not good. <laughs> For number two, Jeff Jarrett. Die, die, die. Oh, we got Oli. We got Sting. We got a hero. Yeah. And I would like to also say that time where the horsemen like formed, but Dean Malenko was in them. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what did he well, do? Okay. I, don't, I don't remember him. That was him. during the like potato chip get on out here thing. <laughs> We're fucking out here. Like Dean Malenko's just standing there in like a suit and like they don't even explain like what happened. <laughs> I remember this. Like, like I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, like, even in, like, 99 or whenever, I'm like, when did, like, Dean Malenko join? Like, I was, like, the whole time that was going on, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know what happened backstage at the time, so I was like, I don't under even understand most of this. Yeah. But, like, what was, like, the most confusing thing to me is why Dean Malenko is, like, Just, magically in the yeah. Four Horsemen all of a sudden. They're acting like it was normal. Right. They don't say anything. <laughs> no. Like, they're just like, oh, there's Dean Malenko, <laughs> Four Horsemen. Like, so- it's... Huh? So that was September 98, folks, on that Nitro, where uh, Ole Anderson, who had been retired as a wrestler for a year, 
he basically assumed the J.J. Dillon role. Oh, did he? Yeah. I don't even remember that. So he comes out and he's like, oh, we're, uh, yeah, I'm going to horseman here. So he brings out. I'm I sure it was yeah. Ollie Anderson. I don't see him listed. Arn Anderson. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I meant yeah. to say Arn. Yeah. Excuse okay. me. Yeah. I know. I was like just legitimately yeah. confused. Sorry. I meant Arn. Yeah. So Arn comes out and he's like, here's Steve McMichael. Yeah. Horseman. Here's uh, Chris Voldemort. Yeah. Here's Dean Michael. Like, why? <laughs> and then, we're fucking out of here! Well, that he was go, that whole he, thing. No, well, he goes like, hey, I forgot. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I have potato chips. Rick it over here! You know what, like, Quinn? Yeah. I, I think I actually might have that clip handy. Let me see. Yeah. Because it was one of my favorite moments, even though it's like so stupid. Uh, do I have it? Hang on. It's that not- whole <laughs> potato chips thing, by the way, fans, is, yeah. that was literally like me. I couldn't remember like the whole thing one day. Yeah. I used to I used to just say to Joe, like, because he, when he hits his head or whatever. What a goof! I, yeah, he really does say what a goof, but I yeah. used to say, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I ate potato <laughs> yeah. chips, I'm fat or whatever. And We're fucking out here. Like basically, me and Joe call it like the potato chip yeah. moment now, like because of that. So let's, that's let's, what it is. Let's give it a listen. What a goof! What a goof! I almost forgot the fourth horseman, Rick Flair. Go, go, that yes, was a great. That, yeah, it was a great moment and yeah. everything. But Dean Malenko, like, what was he doing? He's just there? standing there. It's like almost like you know, um, The Shining. Yes. Remember at the end of the movie where like he's in the back and it's like, oh, he was there all along mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Like it's like that. Like Dean Malenko's like that ring was like the painting. And like Dean Malenko he was just there all, he, along. He was just there all along, like the whole time. Like it's it, it, it's almost like scary, like if you look back like back to eighty five, you just see like Dean Malenko all like in the back. really like standing back at the corner in a suit, <laughs> like in a tux or whatever, just like behind them while Ric Flair's like like cutting a promo about his shoes costing more than Shivani's house or whatever. <laughs> now, in concept, though, you can understand Malenko being in it, right? Yeah. In concept. Right. But the execution was poopy. Well, it only went on for, like, a little bit. It was only a little bit. I barely remember anything going on Didn't with it. it. Wasn't it that the thing where they came back for a week, got a, one up on the NWO, like, once, and then they got their asses handed to them the next week, and then they were never good again? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That sounds like WCW. Right. Now it's time, Quinn, though, for you to face the music here. I'm going to bring up my case against Mongo. Oh, now, man. now, if he doesn't make it, he doesn't make it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's okay. But here's the thing. When you talk about guys that are really good in the horsemen, we're talking really good wrestlers or really credible wrestlers or yeah. really established guys. Part of the overall framework of the horsemen is based on just being the best, the elite, right? Mm-hmm. And those that don't qualify for that distinction are guys like Paul Roma and Jeff Jarrett, obviously. Now, you have to say that Steve Mongo McMichael was a mediocre at best ring announcer. I mean, a commentator prior to this. But he had Pepe, the dog. (laughs) Different outfits and everything. That's why people should be watching the WCW, baby. He was the precursor to Booker T on commentary. That's not a good thing. (laughs) It's not a good thing. And then all of a sudden, let's not let this slip by here. Not only is it weird that he... You know, that Dean Malenko was in the Horseman, right? Not, right? That's weird, right? It's weird that Sting was in the Horseman. This was a guy that had his, like, first wrestling match, and then he was in the Horseman. Yeah, with Green or whatever. Kevin but, Green, yeah. and he turned on them. Mm-hmm. Steve McMichael is a guy who was a football player, and then a bad announcer, and then a Horseman. How do you make that leap and justify it? Well, I can justify it easily. Go ahead. I just like the guy. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line. And they like the guy. We like the guy. Everyone seemed to like the guy. Wrestling be damned. We like him. And you know what? He just fit into that whole like party atmosphere that the horsemen were always known for. I'm going to 
be at the hotel. All girls come along. Yeah. Like literally, he's that kind of like happy go lucky. He's got a modicum of fame from being a football player. He seems like the perfect guy that would just hang out with Ric Flair in a hotel bar. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, wrestling be damned. So what you're trying to say is Hiro Matsuda should be number three because he sucks? Yes. I can't, like, I don't understand why he's there. (laughs) Okay. So Mongo lives to see another day here. And, and, And just to give you a comparison. Yes. Like, some may say Miss Elizabeth was stupid in the Four Horsemen. Yes. But at the very least... She had like a history with Ric Flair. Well, Hiro according, Ma- <laughs> yeah, yeah, like in, like even in the WWF or whatever, right? And it was part of an angle and all this stuff. Hiro Matsuda literally contributed nothing. <laughs> like he he had no prior association. It's true. There's nothing. There's okay. no reason for him to be there. I am with you, I, Quinn. And he renamed the group too. Yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Jerk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Seriously, get out of here. For number three, Hiro Matsuda. Die, die, die. All right. So for number four here, Quinn, here's what's on the table then for number four. Ole Anderson, mm-hmm. Sting, who that's a very good contender for yep. one of the worst. Dean Malenko and Mongo, I have him on the table. I still. just think we need to bring up some a couple more. Okay, go just, ahead. Just to like because, you know, man, there's been a lot of managers and valets, right? So can we just go down the list go real ahead, quick? Because yeah. most of them are shit. Will it make you feel good? Yeah. All right. Now, Baby Doll, I think she was fine. Yeah, right? she, she did what she should have done. But you know who I couldn't stand? Because I just don't. I'm like, who is this? I see her all the time in stuff with the horsemen. Dark Journey. Dark Journey. I'm like, who is that? I don't know. I know. Like, I know what she looks yeah, no, like. Yeah, no, I know. But I'm like, I, I don't, don't know why she was get there. why she was with them Wasn't she all. Tully's, like, other yeah, lady? Yeah, I think, I guess it was, like, after Baby Doll left for Dusty Roads. Yeah, probably. Dark Journey. That makes sense, yep. Um, she was with them during, like, the prime phase, too, like, 87. True. Like, like I just, it's just, I always thought that was just a weird one right there. Would you even consider it, like, nah. some of the worst? I'm trying to... What to... about Fifi, who's Ric Flair's <laughs> Dude, wife? She didn't do it. It was, like, very brief. Okay. In 93, come on. And now uh, Bobby Heenan as the coach. That was fine. It was okay, one that match. was one time. I remember that. What about Charles Robinson as Ric Flair's bias ref? I liked it. That's what he's yep. still called Little Nate to this day because of that. Okay, yeah. I don't have a problem with that either. I'm just, we need to cover our bases. That's all I'm doing here is because these are some of the goofy ones. Yeah, I understand. Um, Double D, Ric Flair's nurse. Yeah, who cares? Wasn't that Major Guns? Yes. If I recall? Yes. Okay. No, Asia. Or Asia? It was Asia. Okay, and... Uh, Samantha slash Tori, which was Ric Flair's girlfriend. David's. Or David Flair's girlfriend, yeah. yeah. They're whatever. I can't really hold anything against them. Okay. I just wanted I just wanted to, like, we need to bring those people up. That's fine. Because they're all ridiculous. All right. Like, all of them. Let's play the elimination game here. As a horseman, who is worse? Dean Malenko or Steve McMichael? As Dean a, Malenko. Okay. Yes. I it agree. It has to be. Like, As a wrestler, who is better? Dean Malenko. Right. So yes. don't be Did, telling us, folks. Yeah. It didn't make any sense because it was just so random. Like, it would have made sense had they, like, announced it properly. Right. We would have probably put him, like, number, you know, in maybe in Rushmore. At least in the discussion. Yeah. To be fair, Mongo makes more sense than Malenko. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. Because Malenko's still... <laughs> boring. Like, okay. that's, like, his personality. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. His personality is, like, serious. He's the Iceman or whatever. Yes. So, like, it makes zero sense. That, that's another thing about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why is he here? Like, Well, you could say the same thing about uh, Voldemort then. Why was he? Uh, for the wrestling, was right? that Was that because Mongo, like, disappeared off the face of the earth? No, he was in that version. Oh, no, with Dean Malenko? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he, they, was, they, he was in that version. They overlapped? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Then we've got Oli Sting and Mongo now. So we're, we're narrowing it down. Now, Oli 
as much of a butthole as he is, mm-hmm. he is a horseman. Yeah, but are you only considering him simply because he was in the original? Just because you were there initially doesn't make you good. You like uh, Pete Best? <laughs> He's like the Pete Best. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the Beatles, one of the Beatles' first yeah. drummers. Yeah, yeah. Solid, exactly. but no Ringo, right? Yeah. It doesn't make him a good Beatle. Right, which yeah. he wasn't a good Beatle, but he was he was a pretty good drummer. Right. And that's what the three Beatles always said. Pete might have been a good drummer, but Ringo was a better Beatle. Right. He was also a better drummer. So wow. in that vein, yeah. Ollie was serviceable. Right. Sting, I think, is the worst one out of these three. Now, Sting's a great wrestler, had a great career. He just should have never been in that group. It just is weird, Sting and the Four Horsemen. Yeah, because he had, wasn't he already established like, yes. after Clash of the Champions? like From 88. Yeah. I hated anything involving the Ric Flair double crosses Sting thing. And that's like, what that it, was. It's so dumb it, and tired. Like, any time they would like be associated with right. each other mm-hmm. you just be like oh oh when's rick turning on him? i know like that's it's it's ridiculous i think and it's also d- towards the uh the downturn of the horseman 89 90 where the it wasn't first as, run yeah before of, the rebuilding in 95 correct yeah so i think that too is just part of it i think sting it, look let it be known that mongo made it very close to the end here for anyone that's going to give us shit about this mm-hmm. but quinn's arguments are good he is fun. Right. He he fits the ethos of the horseman. He's got the imposing look. He was an enforcer when they didn't have one anymore. Yes. Like, they needed a guy. They needed a big dude. I'm okay with it. If they're in trouble, this big guy's going to come and kick your ass because he's, he's a fucking football player. Like, <laughs> who's going to mess with him? So he might not be in Death Valley, but he's hanging out in Nevada, okay? Yeah. Close yeah. to the state border. Right. Can we put it that way? Yeah. But... He qualifies ahead of Sting, again, not as a wrestler, right? as a horseman. Are we in agreement on Sting, or is it Oli? I think it's Sting. I think it's Oli. What? Honestly. Come on! Because he just, he didn't fit the ethos at all. Yes, he did. More than Sting. No, he didn't fit it at all, because that was actually a big reason in real life why in they real life i know but we're trying not to his to... character was that though like <laughs> that, that's the thing no come on it stings worse as a horseman at least sting is credible like sting okay always I... credible quinn he is as a wrestler by, by that the point time in his the career horsemen were sure around? he was credible by the time the horseman yes in the mid 80s yes he sucked by i then. didn't say he was good <laughs> he's credible sting and the horseman what are you talking about <laughs> No, I agree. No, they're both they're both bad. I'm not like I'm not saying I just don't know if Sting's worse. Well, if we can't agree on Sting or Olga, then we're putting Mongo in. Okay, then we gotta put Sting in. For number four, Sting. Die, die, die. Woo! Oh, woo! <laughs> <laughs> so folks, to recap for Donnie, our Death Valley of Four Horsemen members is Paul Roma, Jeff Jarrett, what a lineup. <laughs> Hiro Matsuda. <laughs> And Sting, it's like this. I think Ollie should have made it, but whatever. Stable for my yeah. nightmares here. Yeah. That is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of four Horsemen members. I guess an indirect thank you to Filippo Festuccia yeah. for the suggestion. Uh, Quinn, when we come back, we're going somewhere that uh, not too many people go. We're going into the heartland of America. We are going into the central states. We've got something to review, and it's coming up right after this. Hello, wrestling fans. Howdy doody. We're here to remind you that if you really like our show, you can donate over at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. 
That's right, and we have three rewards tiers. For $1, you get the raw video recordings of our episodes each week, mistakes and all. I don't make mistakes. Add another dollar, and you get the raw video plus weekly commentaries every single Friday. That's where we watch a match and talk over it. It's good. And for $3, you get the raw video, the weekly commentaries, and our monthly live video reviews. Yup, we watch 1982 WWF while you guys watch. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. And now, over to Sean Mooney. Who? Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us. Quinn, we're reviewing something. Yes, we are. <laughs> now, this is a territory that we have never explored before. With good I don't reason. Know if we'll ever explore it again. <laughs> it was very uh, interesting. Let me just put it that way. It was very nice. Very central. Yeah, very central. <laughs> Folks, this is Central States All Star Wrestling, January 7th, 1984. Now, what the hell is this territory? <laughs> well, it was an NWA member a lot of its time. Yep. It was also known as Heart of America, Midwest Wrestling Association. And was founded by Orville Brown. That's a name from the past for you. About now, was he friends with Farmer Burns? <laughs> he might have been. Yeah. Maybe friends with Orville Redenbacher. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like he's from that era. You that think he age. drove a Model T at some point. <laughs> One yeah. of the first ones. Yeah. Model S. Yeah. And uh, so in uh, 1963, Orville Brown sold this promotion to one. Bob Geigel. That's a name you normally hear when JR is talking about the map of promotions. <laughs> <You're over here. laughs> Bob Geigel. <laughs> Don Owen in Portland and yeah. Stu Hart. <laughs> yeah, like he's that guy that was the NWA president for a bit. Like, I like, believe so. At the beginning of like the the WCW show when it was owned by the Crockett's. Because I remember there's like an episode where he fucking shows up and is like, Ric Flair. <laughs> like he's, he's stupid. Ric Flair and the Hey Now. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, just being like Southern, basically. Yeah. I have taken it upon myself and the board to find each of these people $5,000. So we had had a request uh, from Justin Hand to do um, something more Southern. We, we've been getting a little bit of requests for some Southern stuff. Now, this isn't specifically Southern, but I feel like it's a nice compromise. Well, because it's Central. Joe, it's I mean, Central, yeah. exactly. It's not Northern. It's not Southern. It's Central. It's very, very Central. It's not West Coast. No. Nope. It's not East Coast. It's, it's Central. Extremely Central. It's not Midwest. No, it isn't. It's Central. It, that's right. It's, it's not Texas. It's, it's central. central. It's not Canadian. It's Central. And this is in the uh, Kansas City area mainly. They were also affiliated with the St. Louis Territory, which I believe was Muchnick. I'm not sure, but I think so. Yeah, the St. Louis Wrestling Club. Yeah, it's a wrestling club there. And uh, Geigel would actually go on to sell it to Crockett in 86, Jim Crockett that is, during Crockett's expansion. He actually bought it back in 87, and it continued for a little bit longer. And I don't know cl- why he would buy it back, but... <laughs> And it continued under the World Wrestling Alliance name and closed in 1988. But right now, we're in 1984, January 7th to be exact, and this is their television show. This is what you saw if you were out there in Kansas City having your BBQ. Right. Turned on your wrestling. You're like, where's my Harley race? Where's my Harley race? Ah. And uh, we're going to see what this is all about here. So as we open up, we get a 
70s style intro, Quinn. I love this. It was good. It it shows like outlines of people grappling. It was interesting. It was like a black screen with like little outlines of people wrestling. Like little men like grappling. (laughs) Like multiple versions. Like (laughs) different colors. Like it was very interesting. Very interesting. Very nice. Very impressive. And we're hosted by Kevin Walt, I think, and Rich Door. Yeah, Rich French, Door. French Door. French Stewart. Rich Stewart. I yeah. couldn't get the guy's name. I tried, too. I went back like three times. Shut the Rich Door. <laughs> I, I don't know. Hi again, everybody. I'm Kevin Wall, along with Rich Stewart. He's a little twerp. <laughs> he is and a he, little twerp. He really was. He was like a little Eric Bischoff, but like <laughs> shittier. <laughs> so last week, I can't even make this up, and I don't <laughs> they, know what it really means. They really do open with this. I think they're talking about drug deals. I can't tell, because last I week... I think they're talking about like some shitty like late 90s independent <laughs> promotion with these names. <laughs> M.E. B and triple six had a match. First of all, are these factions or are these one person named, named, like, are these singles wrestlers? Was EC3 involved Is in this? Is triple six related to Triple H in any way <laughs> at all? MEB and triple six in a tag team match. And uh, so also, apparently, triple uh, six turned on Sheik Abdullah the Great. And uh, that's Anytime all. Anytime we have a Sheik involved, <laughs> I get scared. And that's honestly all we get out of that. I was not not sure if Sheikh Abdul the Great might have been General Adnan. Like, yeah, I was I, I was impending doom with yeah, uh, Adnan. I was like, oh no, is he again really? <laughs> because there's there's only like two good sheiks ever. Yeah, the Iron One. Yeah, and the original one. Right, and that's it. The Sabu's dad. One. Sabu's dad. Yeah, and the Iron Sheik. Right, okay, if there's any other sheik in wrestling, they suck. Yeah, I challenge me on that because I've never seen another good sheik. What about uh, Ayatollah Blassie? He's, He's not Ayatollah. a sheik. Yeah, but I mean. He's not an Ayatollah either. I mean, that's like, <laughs> let's be, let's be real. I'll be, I'll, he's more chicish. I don't know if he's chicish, but let's go to the ring, Quinn. Our referee is Jimmy McGuire, which is a referee's name if I've ever heard one, Quinn. <laughs> or a baseball player's yeah, name. Maybe a baseball yeah. player. And we get our first match here. Ron Ritchie mm-hmm. <laughs> versus, <laughs> this is a different chic. This is an honorary chic. Roger Kirby. Come on! <laughs> what is with this chic thing? I don't, like, I don't know. I don't listen, know. I get it, right? That like in the mid 80s, we had problems with Iran. Yep. But now you got like Americans dressing like sheiks all over the place. Like, this chic thing is like, it's the, the blanket catch all for like, oh, this Evil. guy's a heel. Yeah. Like it's in it. What I don't like about this guy's look, Roger Kirby, honorary chic, <laughs> yes. is not only is he wearing like the chic, um, uh, what's it called again? I, I don't remember. The thing they have on their head, Yeah, right? I, I'm not going to pretend um, that I know. He's got that on, but he's got red, like, singlets, so he <laughs> yeah, looks like he's amateur. a Russian. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, true. Like, so it's like he's, like, double the heel. But he's really just from, like, California, I think. Right, yeah, so, mess. like, it's extra confusing. Very. Like, he, when you see him wrestle, you might think it's, like, his name is Boris Retsnikov, or, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. some, like, weird... Alexi Smirnoff? Yeah, Alexi Smirnoff or something, yeah. <laughs> so, Quinn, as we get underway here, you have some complaints about the size of the ring, the lighting, you name it. You have a big problem with all of okay, this. Okay, first of all, it's dark. Like, very dark. This is the darkest show that we've ever reviewed. It, must, it has to be the darkest show. Yeah. It, it's literally like, it feels like there's one light bulb <laughs> hanging over the ring, and like, they're just wrestling. <laughs> and, right? and, 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 okay, second of all, the size of the ring, it's like the pony ring, like the like <laughs> the like the 15-footer rather than the 20-footer or whatever. It's like the LJN ring yeah. <laughs> for the figures. It's yeah. so small. It's so tiny, to the point where they're like bouncing off the ropes later on. It's like, like three steps. The guy has to do like a splash, but it just looks like he just like falls on him because <laughs> there's literally like no room no. to like 
bounce off or whatever. You can't do a running clothesline. You can do like a shuffling clothesline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lastly, it's established like from the beginning that there are two cameras, but most of the matches, there's just like on a single handheld. You're just on a single handheld the whole time, like you're sitting ringside. Yeah, from and, like, the floor. Like there's no other angles yep. at all. Like it's awful. It is. It's pretty poor presentation. I, how did this? Again, how did these companies stay? Like, how did they even expect to stay in business when, like, somebody comes with, like, a multi cam setup and, like, lighting? Like, <laughs> lighting, what a novel yeah, concept. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, theme music and, like, <laughs> all these things that should have been there and were already, like, ideas that were, like, tested already yes. and, and worked and By people 84. liked. Yeah. yeah. World class have been doing it. Bill but Watts have been doing what it. What am I going to do? I'm going to put out this bullshit, like, and, and expect. Oh, Vince McMahon isn't going to come and buy me. Fuck you. Uh, so the announcers put this match over as very important. They're like, you can win on TV. It's a really big deal to win on TV. I'll say this: both guys are in decent shape. They are. They look like wrestlers. And and that's actually a theme throughout. Um, no joke over here in the central states. Mm-hmm. Nobody is looks like a fat, out of shape right. idiot. Like, which is like. What you would kind of expect yes. from a promotion that has one light bulb and, <laughs> and a camera, like a, a, in all honesty, a camcorder. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Get an armbar by Richie uh, for uh, for quite a while with this armbar. Yeah, sure is wrestling, huh, yep, Quinn? It definitely is the wrestling. <laughs> Monkey foot by Richie. This seems like a promotion you go to if you're like new or if your career's <laughs> over, like. You know, like how yes. in that one in King's DVD, he talked about some outlaw promotion. That's like mm-hmm. if you're on the way in or on the way yep. out. Like that's what this looked it like. It does seem like that. Like a bunch of up and comers or some old guys, right? Right. And it's yep. kind of no in between. Back to the arm bar we go, and we get a front face lock then by Kirby. And you had a good question, Quinn. Why are there specks of blood all over the ring mat already? It looks like nobody's ever cleaned the mat ever, ever. Like it, there's just specks everywhere, like probably from the fifties, yeah, from like, the Eisenhower administration. Yeah, yeah, like it's like, oh, this was Abraham Lincoln's blood. Like you know, like <laughs> it's like from when he wrestled that bear. You know what? You know what I mean? Like it, it's just old. It just looks old, and like the stains look old. It's awful. We get a big suit play by Kirby as Quinn says, "This is the type of show." You'd find on a video cassette at Suncoast Video in the nineties. Yes, okay. It would, and that just says wrestling on the t- and it's like a two VHS set. Is it and like- it's just a compilation of just tons of matches that nobody owns. Like they're just like public domain, and it's like somebody's just trying to make a quick buck. It's like Sunny Time Video with like a rainbow or something <laughs> yeah, on it. I was thinking Good Time Some Video because yeah, yeah. they're always the cheap shit. Yeah, just one and one of those weird companies that you know it, yeah. it's located in Secaucus somewhere <laughs> you know like you can mail them on the back for more releases that kind of thing so Richie wins a, a suplex battle here as we notice the crowd is barely reacting to anything they're kind of just mumbling I, mum, 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 mum. they were just there for beer I think yeah well, I don't blame them yeah now I'll say this uh, French Door and the other guy there Kevin Hart they're yeah. they're okay they're, they're not bad. they're really not bad they care they care they're really putting the product over they're doing a good job and I mean, I'm not as gonna... much as you can put this <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> that arm a quick suplex that looked like it may have landed Richie on the back of his neck a kind of one a kind of two boy he came dangerously close to losing this match double collision and Richie gets up first and Kirby gets sent outside to the basketball court yeah it's like we're in the Boston Garden <laughs> yeah. except the ring is tiny yeah there's no garden however that wasn't a DQ because Richie didn't throw him over the rope and he then just, I realized oh god NWA NWA we're doing this crap why did nobody realize that this was stupid like the only person in business right now never had that fucking rule ever maybe <laughs> maybe Joe that was it maybe that it was 
all along, it, like WCW couldn't recover because they were still dealing with it until like ninety seven. The NWO era, yeah, and they're still like worried about rope things. They're like, it's not a DQ. Like we still have to like condition people. Like WWF, meanwhile, is like we, we never throw did, them we, over. We, we, we never shit. did that shit ever. We have guys doing finishers off the top rope. Yeah, we don't no. worry about the ropes. And I always thought that was weird for WCW just out on the side that they were like the one that had the effective cruiserweights yet, like they had them. Yeah, like when the cruiserweights started, they did. They had to like wave the rule. I yeah. think, right, for some matches yeah. and stuff like that. So anyway, French Door says, holy Toledo. Back in the ring, <laughs> that, this... That, that probably means something it in might. Kansas City. <laughs> Back in the ring, and this crap is still going on. It's pretty long. You, yeah. you even said, Quinn, when does the wrestling start? Yeah, when does the actual <laughs> matches start? Because this is poop. Big sleeper by Richie, and then he throws Kirby into the ropes and schoolboyism for the win. Well, that was garbage. Again, why is it so dark? This is the darkest <laughs> show so ever. Dark. Uh, to the ring again we go. We get referee Sonny Myers who gets booed. I don't know why. He yeah. just seems like an innocent gentleman. Maybe he's like Todd Sinclair, you know? Like, we yeah. like him, but we just, you, you boo Todd Sinclair. Yeah. It's just what you do. It's just what you do. Good yeah. old fat pants same there. With, same with like Cena. It's like, we like Cena, but we just boo him. Like, <laughs> what is, yeah, because Todd Sinclair never really did anything wrong, no, right? No, no. It fair. just became like a thing you did at Ring of Honor shows. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's funny. So anyway, we get our our next match here it's tommy rogers who you might know is one half of the fantastics a little later in life yeah. versus grizzly evans who is listed also as tommy rogers on the graphic yes, also <laughs> not related to jake the snake or anything. no no grizzly evans now no. <laughs> the, the, the big notable thing here is they literally yeah. both have the exact same wrestling gear on yes. like they're like young boys in japan <laughs> or something but it's like a singlet black it's, singlet they tommy evans too which is grizzly evans mm-hmm. Or Tommy Evans now, like combining <laughs> their names. But anyway, Grizzly Evans. Yes, he kind of looks like Bull Dempsey. So he does. that should give you kind of like what type of gear that yeah. Tommy Rogers is also wearing. And Tommy Rogers looks like Tommy Rogers, just younger just with Grizz, uh, with <laughs> yeah, Bull Dempsey's like yeah. tights on. It's whatever. weird. The ref also has very bright blue pants. I have to say they're well, extremely bright. We're close to the seventies still. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, and you know what? You know how this match opens. With an arm bar. Like every match on here. Bob Geigel probably like instructs everyone to start with the arm bar. Because like literally everything, other than the last match, which yeah. just involves punches. Yeah, but, chops. Yeah. <laughs> so the announcers hype Rogers as a nice young up-and-comer here. And Quinn, you had a very good question. Are all the young guys going to win? Yeah, it's New Blood Rising Central States Edition, Jeff. <laughs> test of strength by Rogers and Evans. It's also a test of patience for me and Quinn. <laughs> the announcers name drop Paul Orndorff. Which uh, how did people watch this? Like, I, in all honesty, like I'm I'm listening to the names of the stars yeah, here, and I then mean, we're like, seeing this. Listen, I understand Paul Orndorff was big in his day, but yeah. like, where's like somebody that like was a big deal, right? Like, Reputable. Yeah. When's the Macho Man? When's well, Hulk Hogan? <laughs> macho yeah. Man's in Memphis right now. I'm just I'm just saying somebody who would be elsewhere. Yeah. And like you would think, uh, I know him. I understand. Yeah. Punches by Rogers and Evans is caught in a ropes there. He escapes and lays in some elbows and comes off the ropes with a Luthez botch. I don't yeah. know what that was. They I just don't... fell into each other. Then they that, repeat that was, it. That was again because the ring was too small though, <laughs> yes, right? Like I think so. I think that's why that happened and they had to do the spot over. I even called him. Remember I yes. said, well, go do the spot over and yep. that's exactly what they did. Yep. And Rogers wins with the ugliest small package I've ever seen. New blood rising, Joe. Yes, it sure is. Now, this next match is of oddity here because I don't know. <laughs> and if you do know, please let us know. 
It's Tiger Mask. But not the Tiger Mask. It's not any Tiger Mask, okay, so I don't think. Joe first is like, which Tiger Mask is in them? And I, off the top of my head, I was like, it has it's to be two. Tiger Mask 2 because it's 84 yeah. and the other one ended in 83. So it's Masawa, right? That's who it was This at the is time. not him. No, like, this is Masawa's not. Masawa's a much bigger man. He's got bigger shoulders. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's how I can tell the difference between the two. Hey, pal. So if anything, he's Tiger Mask 1, but... His mask isn't even the right Tiger Mask mask, and he looks even skinnier than the original Tiger Mask, which is Sawada or something. I don't remember his name. Sayama. Sayama? Yeah. yeah. So, you're sure it's not Masawa, huh? No, it can't be. Okay. Like, Masawa, I've seen him wrestle mm-hmm. in his early days. He didn't look like that. This okay. guy is very skinny. All right, I believe you. And also, why would he just not have the right mask? And why would he be in Central States? It looked, instead of Tiger Mask, it looked like Fox Mask. I mean, like <laughs> he had like to, like ears that were big on it. So he's fighting Quinn Barry Orton. You mean Barry? Yeah, because it's spelled Barry Orton. He's, yeah, like B E R R Y. He's very Orton. Now this is Barry O. Like, this is Barry O. This is the one that was on the Donahue Show and all that. Where he I've had been Michael, blacklisted. He had Michael Bolton hair on that episode. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy that Gorilla always called Barrio. Yeah. Like, like the word Barrio? Yeah. Oh, Barrio here! <laughs> yep. We got Barrio against Paul Roma. Should be an outstanding matchup. So we get some karate poses by Tiger Mask. That sends Orton outside. He, like, runs away. Right, yeah. Well, I in, would be afraid to. I would, too. Back in and more karate. Clothesline by Barry over here. More karate poses. It is the uh, Oriental style, according to French Door. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 1984. <laughs> I, I can't, like, so get on acceptable. his case about him. Yeah. <laughs> so Tiger Mask, Quinn, of course... Works the arm. Well, Geigel, you know, <laughs> instructed that. We got a tope con hilo by Tiger Mask. That's right. <laughs> yep. And Orton fakes a handshake back inside with a boot, but Tiger does the 23 skidoo to escape. You mean the hurdy-gurdy? Yeah, whatever, whatever dance, <laughs> yeah. whatever freaking mashed potato, whatever you want After to call it. After he did that, I'm like, this is definitely not a Japanese yeah, person at all. He does like, like the vaudeville yeah. dance. Yeah. What yeah. was that? There's no way, like, Masawa knows how to do the hurdy-gurdy 23 skidoo or whatever. <laughs> we got a bad karate kick for the pin, but Barry gets his foot on the ropes, and then Barry misses an elbow, and Tiger wins of the somersault splash oh that was interesting i did not expect to see any type of tiger mask in any form yeah that that was weird and i looked it up as we were watching i couldn't find anything about this other than some forum from like 2012 where somebody's (laughs) like does anybody remember tiger mask in central states central states like like asking the exact same question with no answers right like because who was that? Yeah, it was like, not Tiger Mask. It couldn't have been him. The karate was really poor, too. Yeah. Wait, did Tiger Mask do karate? Yeah, he did some, some karate, some, some right? karate. High karate? Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of high karate. So we get a promo uh, for a battle royal that's coming up on February 3rd in St. Louis. It's a $35,000. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't they be invading um, Mushnik's territory? I think they're, co- they're coexisting peacefully. Okay. That's huh? the NWA. Okay. You yeah. know how that works. It's, Bull- very, it's very confusing, that's all. So who wanders in is Bulldog Bob Brown, and he's all happy about this battle royal. He's like, I just got to took off injury for six weeks and back i'm happy about his battle royal. great bob brown here looks like arnold skoland and i don't yes. mean that in a complimentary way yes uh, um he, he old as like shit a, he does look like a younger arnie like he's not <laughs> so arnie, good he's not arnie in 84 he doesn't look like that he looks like arnie in 71 yeah maybe. Like, he looks like a cleaner public restroom is right. basically what you're saying <laughs> you mean attendant 
yeah. restroom attendant. <laughs> no, I just smell like a cleaner toilet. Arnold Scullin reminds me of the guy that gives you the towels. And the mint. Like, that sits, <laughs> like, he's the old gentleman that sits in the fancy bathroom with, like, you know, a nice sport coat on, but it's a, little out, it's a little out of date, the sport coat. Yeah. It's, like, slightly, because he's an older gentleman, and you're like, oh, he's retired, and he just, you know, it's doing something. Yeah, give him a little tip. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, we cut to the announcers at ringside talking up uh, this hot newcomer, right. <laughs> Les Thornton, who obviously I'm um, being facetious there. Right. Thornton's one of the uh, uh, well-regarded British wrestler. Yeah, I, uh, well, boring. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he is now the junior heavyweight champion for the fourth time. Mm-hmm. So we actually cut, this is interesting, to Georgia Championship Wrestling, or I guess by this point it's World Championship Wrestling. Right. This is this is odd. Well, yeah. At least we have lights now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to the studio there to see Thornton taking on Jason Walker. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Gordon Suplay, of course, is on commentary. And we get a gut wrench salto by Thornton. And then a chin lock. He's the man <laughs> of a thousand and one holds, they say. And he uses a chin lock. Well, he didn't start with the arm bar, so <laughs> you, you can cross that off the list. By the way, like, which one's Les Thornton? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, like, very, like, Les Thornton is the most, like, indescript person. Indescript, there it yeah, is. He is, like, I'm like, who? Like, he looks like a jobber. He like, looks like one, yeah. I didn't know, I, and I was like, is this Billy Robinson, but, like, a different name? I was so confused. Like, he just doesn't have any character about no, it, he doesn't. Like, at all. You know that he showed up in WWF in like 85 or 86. He opened an MSG show. I was watching it recently versus Scotty McGee. Oh, good thing they didn't sign him because <laughs> I he would just get mixed up in like the Barry Horowitzes of the world. I know, and the Barry O's. Yeah. Ole Anderson is also on commentary, by the way, speaking of him. And the yeah. announcers are talking about something else the entire time because yeah. I guess that's just what you do in WCW. <laughs> it's, it's, <you laughs> I mean, know, honestly. It's, it's the tradition, the, the grand tradition. <laughs> so we lay around in this chin lock for a while, which kind of upsets Quinn a what little the bit. Fuck, like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? This was a big match they wanted to show us. They're like talking about it the whole show. It feels like the fucking 60s. Isn't he a lightweight champion? Shouldn't he be like jumping off the top rope or something? He looks like he fought Korea. Like, he looks like a thousand years old. We just saw Tiger Mask who isn't even the real Tiger Mask, mind you. And he was at least, like, more jumpity and all this stuff. Les Thornton sucks. Get him out of here. Gordon notes that uh, Les Thornton can really mix it up. He really looks like Billy Robinson in the movie The Wrestler. Like, remember? Uh, how you doing that? I'm going to beat you. Yeah, and he's going to flirt with the secretary. Yeah, that you whole know. thing. Yeah. Very dubious crucifix here for several two counts. But I, can't, I say dubious because it doesn't look like Walker was ever kicking out. <laughs> yeah, the ref looks like he just got out of high school and grew a mustache to look older so he could, like, get in the door. <laughs> He also slightly looks like a heroin Hogan character. He has a heroin Hogan look to him. <laughs> yeah. Get a double underhook suplex, says Gordon. Deep double underhook. Into a back suplex. It's not called that! Stop it! He always does this! I... Mm. Big backbreaker. A backbreaker of all moves. Puts yeah, Walker real away. Real light heavyweight. <laughs> it's so stupid. He can't do... He did nothing off the he top did rope. Like, he just did a chin lock the whole match. And then, like, Why is he just not in the heavyweight division? Like, what is this? I don't know. He just did like amateur wrestling the whole time. Nothing special. Uh, even Georgia was bored, and they're usually a hot crowd. They're like, yeah, hey, whatever. Gordon sounds bored, and yeah. he's already boring all the time. So Gordon is now with Thornton, crikey, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to Kansas City, and if anyone's man enough to win my title, they should, because I'm do you, bizarre. Do you think they put this on here just so that they could show you that, like, on the TBS show, they got put over? 
Yes. <laughs> like, that's like all it is. Yes. <laughs> kind of how if we ever contact, you know, certain notable podcasters, we yeah. get an appearance with them on the right. end of the show. Yeah. You know, like, this is literally them. Pl- little- they're plugging their plug. <laughs> yeah, <basically>. exactly. <laughs> so, by the way, there's a battle royal on St. Louis on February 3rd. French yeah. Doors with, uh, I don't know, Wolfman Jack or the guy from WKRP in Cincinnati. Who is yeah, this? Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't look like, he literally looks like the main guy on WKRP. I swear, just what? not blonde. Why has that show come up more than once on our podcast? I, I don't know. I don't even like it that much. I, you know what it was, Joe? I was just like scouring YouTube. Like sometimes I just like to listen to old themes for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's one of my, you know, everyone looks up weird stuff you on have, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So some people have their things. So I like like TV themes sometimes. I'll just look up and listen to a bunch of them. And you know how it has like the up next on the corner? Yeah. Like WKRP came up one day and I just and I let it go. And I was like, God, oh, I forgot how good, this, good, song, theme. good the- this theme is. And then I... You know, then you go down that rabbit hole of, like, yeah. what, you know, you watch, like, the first episode, then the last episode, yeah. or, like, the last scene, and you're like, okay, whatever. Like, I didn't really watch WKRP that much. No. It's just, like... It's a it's decent a, show. It's a weird show. It is. That it, it's existed. I did think it was interesting, though, that Tim Reed from Sister Sister was on it. So that's just an yes, odd Yes, he was. Aside. Tim yeah. Reed was on it. Yeah. So, anyway, Tully also now wanders in with Luke Graham. Crazy Luke Graham. Yeah. And apparently they're going to split the prize, they say. 17-5 each. These are literally the biggest stars we've seen so far. Yeah. Tully Blanchard and it, Luke Graham. And they, they're not even, like, from this company. No, they're not. They're wandering yeah. in from it. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the ring, we have King Cobra, who I swear we've seen one other time. I know somewhere we have. Now I don't remember where. Yeah, did we see him in um Mid South? Mid Yeah, that's what I was going to say Mid South maybe. With Dugan? Yeah, with, uh, I don't know. Remember that <laughs> with Dugan? Was he called King Cobra? Maybe I think not. so. No, okay. I remember him. He's fighting Scott Ferris. I don't know who that is. I don't care who that is. Cobra with a couple of drop kicks and a big arm drag to start so that's it's actually That's the most variety yeah. we've seen in this entire show. Honestly. So I was excited for the match, but then, you know, it Yeah. Monkey flip by Cobra, Ferris wanders around outside, and the lights get darker. I guess someone walked in front of the lamp or something like yeah, that. Yeah, literally, it, there has to only be one lighting source, because it clearly, like, a shadow walked by. <laughs> it's real! Yeah. Like- <laughs> so this match did start out hot, but we're back to the boring again, just wandering around, stalling around. Suit play by Ferris. He misses a small splash. I call it a small splash, because... Yeah. No elevation. And I, again, I say uh, this Ferris guy, he's pretty built. Uh, yeah. I will say there's no fat guys in this company yet. I, I Not at all. Seen any. Not one fat guy. Nope, no fat guys. Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with fat guys, Malonis. Yeah, but I mean, like, literally, like, like they look like, like they could be superstars if you, like, you know, give them a little character. Right, okay. Yeah, that's all. I got you. So next week, the announcers tell us we're going to get Ted DiBiase, and also coming soon is Ric Flair. I can't believe we like miss that. Yeah, like, it, that that annoys me. And I love how garbage this is that they need Flair and Tully to make like anyone care about this company. <laughs> They're just gonna keep bringing people in from other territories. Yeah, is there anyone good from here? <laughs> So the ring announcer gives us a time limit warning, like three minutes in. And I love this because they immediately like go home. Yeah, I wonder if that was a cue. Yeah, like and it's a very obvious what kind one. Of time, what what is the time limit? I don't know. Five minutes. <laughs> and Cobra wins with a backslide. By the way, there's a battle royal on February third. Did you did you know? Did you know? And you know who's here? Harley Race. Harley Race. That one's for uh, Bill. Bill Yankovi, <laughs> yeah. the wrestling man. Now Harley Race is actually from Kansas City, right? But he had been wrestling in uh, the uh, Crockett's and right. elsewhere. He had just dropped the NWA Heavyweight Championship like weeks, weeks before this. This is, this is January '84. Mm-hmm. Starcade was only a couple weeks before. Yep. So, so he, and apparently he's acquired some belts yes. already. He says it's a great pleasure to bring the Missouri State <laughs> Title with him here. <laughs> yeah, it's a great pleasure to bring the Missouri state title 
to the big 3-0. How did he get that? So when, like the day after Starkade, he just went to some other. Like, hey, give me this I'm gonna title. I'm going to win this. Yeah. Give me this. Yeah. Quinn, uh, remember when Harley Race cut you in line? Yes, that really happened. <laughs> I think I told the story. Yeah. I don't want to like go uh, into No, I just like to bring it up yeah. and, and get you fired up Fucking about Harley. Asshole. <laughs> Thank you. Like toddles his way. So he rambles on and on. And on it's Kansas. He yeah. starts repeating them. It's Missouri. Whatever. They understand. <laughs> Back to the ring. And we have our main event here, our feature match. It is, and this is how he's announced, okay? Yep. King Kong Bruiser Brody. Yep. <laughs> All nicknames and full force. Right. Which I don't remember that ever can being I, a thing. Can I say the other guy? Yes. Giant Kim Allah. Yes. Or maybe you might know him as Kamala, but yeah. he's it's spelled Kim K-I-M-A-L-A. Yeah, and he's giant Kimala. Giant. <laughs> yeah. He's so giant. Now he's got this happy flute music that now, sounds like a bad Jethro Tull cover. Yeah, it also sounds like a bat like a rickety bicycle. Like a... sometimes Jethro Tull does throw too. That in, like, oh, it'll yeah. be in. Yeah. <laughs> now he's got Friday with him. That's like the precursor or the coexister with Kimshi, but it they're is, the same exact thing. They are. It's not about Doink, though, yeah. I can tell you that much. It, this okay? isn't Brooklyn Brawl. No, no, yeah. no. But he's got the same mask and he's dressed in camo instead of like yeah. beekeeper or <laughs> safari, whatever. Yeah. Kimchi was now Kimala here. Kimala, yeah, he looks like the WWF version already. He doesn't have stupid face paint. He's, he doesn't, yeah, just the white blotch. Yeah, he doesn't have that. No, and he's got the big uh, African mask, you know, mm-hmm. that he comes out of the ring with. All that's fully formed. Yep, there's no weirdness with the way he looks, but his name is spelled weird. Yeah, we get a big exchange to start as we're both cheering for Brody. Well, hell yeah. yeah I mean, I love Brody. I hate Kamala. <laughs> yeah, he big, sucks. <laughs> big chop by Kamala, uh, and more chops and. uh and, and more and more chops. Kamala sucks, Joe. <laughs> uh, I, I still this, don't get people defending. Yeah, I'm sorry. Listen, listen, I will give this match some credit. The crowd's in one. No arm bars. And no arm bars. Yeah. Well, no. No, <laughs> no leg bars either. Yeah. Oh, come on. The chopping got old very quickly. Let's put it that it, way. It did. At least Kamal can have this match now. <laughs> <laughs> Brody returns with a thr- thrust and the crowd is really into it. And then some choking and... <laughs> choking on the floor and a big kick to the back and then Kamala makes a comeback with a chop yep. Brody with a huge drop kick but then Friday tries to interfere so Brody grabs him and drags him into the ring Kamala attacks him from behind with a chop and then there's some more chops and how is and there more. no he didn't do a move <laughs> the whole time not once chop 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 and did I did I say chop? Yeah, because that's this match. Now Brody, on the other hand, he at least does something. He's mixing it up. Yeah, he's, he's fiery. Like drop kicks and things. Yeah, he's like, doing moves. He's doing moves. But this, he was never good. <laughs> I mean, listen. He drew money. Listen, he drew money. I feel bad for like you know his health condition and stuff. Yeah, I do too. Like, I really that do. Sucks. I like, actually I, do. This is like unacceptable. Like this, this the way he's wrestling. I don't understand why he was over ever. The only thing I can imagine is like with the face paint and the garb, he does kind of seem scary. And like, he stands spe- out, probably especially to children because he's very large yeah. and commanding uh-huh. presence. And that mask too when he comes yeah, down, right? And he stands out, right, amongst all these like singlet guys and yeah. all this shit during this period yeah. of time. He he is a presence. I'll give him that, right? And maybe it's that our. Our uh, our thoughts of Kamala have been tainted by his later runs against the Undertaker and shit like that, and bowling with Slick. Yeah, I. But it's still hard to buy him as a threat, even in '84. I personally um, look at him as all entrance and nothing else, because when he comes to the ring, 
He seems imposing. Uh, no, I just uh, even when he's like walking to the ring, like that big mask and the dangling the, around. Yeah, the the, the whatever the that stick limbs. he has yeah, and the all stick. that. He's got he's got a whole entourage. Great. Like, as Kevin Sullivan once said, he's got an entourage. This guy must be a badass. Yeah, right? yeah. Like like <laughs> like he seems like there's this, this, he's a threat, right? But then he gets in the ring and he just like does nothing and, and goofs around and acts like an idiot. So like it's just all entrance and there's nothing else there and it's really annoying. To be fair to Kamala, though, his offensive chops and all that is on par with Ric Flair 2008. Shut up. So we have more chops and then we roll credits or more accurately, one credit that stays on the screen for like 20 seconds. Well, there's a second credit that says the name of the show (laughs) afterwards. But it says produced by Bob Geigel. Yeah. And that's it. And then we fade. Yes, I'm serious. To a blue screen. (laughs) Yes, this is all real. That says Brody lost by disqualification (laughs) for refusing to obey the referee. Really? Really. That's how they end the show. Why, like, why couldn't they just like clip it or something it's it's pre-taped yeah right yeah why wouldn't they show the ending if they're gonna if tell us the yeah ending? if that's what the ending was too and it, the fact that you know what pisses me off more is that they had time to fit something in but they didn't because they needed to tell us to uh watch the other two hours of this fucking show that's gonna come on this weekend like remember <laughs> yes remember like that's howdy true. duty comes on afterwards <laughs> Richie dude what was his name yeah I don't know French Stewart French Stewart yes. he, like you hear his voice over like the logo and he's like make you sure, sure you watch <laughs> the other two hours that we have on channel 30 or whatever yeah, this is 30. like yeah <laughs> all right so with that show being a wrap overall I can't say it's one of the worst it's the darkest yeah <laughs> yep. it wasn't one of the worst things it just wasn't good no it was whatever it's no wonder like this company was asking to get bought <laughs> Like, yeah, you're right. And honestly, I don't think they bought it for its stars. They bought it for its territory, and that's Ab- it. Absolutely, so that they could put or on shows in St. Louis mm-hmm. and, and Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah, I th- I think I agree with you, Quinn. I don't think this was very good. It looks like a company that relies on a, uh, and I could be wrong. I don't know much about it, but it looks like a company that was relying on other NWA stars coming in. Yeah, and didn't have too many that they would want to send out. Who? Was their star like that made the promotion? I don't I mean. know. Like, what was this? What? Who did they lean on? Harley Race, I guess. Maybe earlier. Yeah, yeah like, I would think so. He's from Kansas City, right? I, Bob that, Orton, maybe. He's from Kansas City. That explains why Barry was there, right? Maybe so. Maybe it was like a Bob and and Harley Race joint. I guess. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I guess. I I really don't know. So maybe an maybe it was like Bob Orton Senior. Yeah, honestly, like, that the like. Bear, Bob's dad. Yeah, Bob's dad. Now, I'd say the highlight was getting to see a glimpse of Bruiser Brody for a few minutes. Anytime we get to see Brody, it's a pleasure. Yep. Just because it's his life was cut short and it's sad to me yeah. that like he never got his proper run because he seemed to me like always like this guy's going to WWF. There's something great about him. Something yeah. very magnetic about him. And who knows? He might have like, to be honest with you, by the time he made WWF, he might have just been like the berserker and we would have been like, well, <laughs> that was a sucked. waste of time. <laughs> yeah, right, right, like, right. Yeah. But thank you folks for not wasting your time, but for enjoying it with us as we've rumped through yet another week in the world of retro wrestling. Be sure to check us out again for our first episode of the summer next week, episode number 87. And until that time, be sure to reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate that. Join the Facebook group if you haven't yet. And if you'd like to donate, patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. And pick up a shirt if you want at teespring.com slash OVP Podcast. But until next time, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya.
Oh, it's certainly great to get back to St. Louis. You know, I was out for six weeks, but I'm back strong as ever. And the first stop is St. Louis, $35,000 battle roll. And I'll tell you what, you don't have any friends when it comes to battle roll, even your close friends, because everybody's going to get dumped over that top rope. After six weeks on the injured list, I know everybody in St. Louis is looking forward to seeing Bulldog Bob Brown and a host of national stars, $35,000 on Friday. Will you stop?